Hello, everyone, and welcome to another PAP Chat, Productivity App Chat, where we talk about productivity tools, apps, methodology, philosophy, and everything in between. Today, a very special guest, Mike Vardy, has agreed to, to join the bandwagon of, of squirrel moments and fun. <laughs> uh, for, those, for those that are unfamiliar with, with, with you and what you do, could you uh, give a, a quick intro as to who you are, what you do, and, and where you are in the internet? So I am probably best known as the productivityist. I have been studying and teaching and specializing and strategizing on productivity and time management for over a decade now, primarily through my writing initially. And then, you know, I've got a popular podcast called the Productivityist Podcast that I've been producing for, I think we just released episode 363 this week. So, and, and I've been podcasting well before that as well. Uh, I have a methodology more actually it's more of a, an approach or a framework or a philosophy that's called time crafting that I teach my clients as well as just my, my audience in general. I have a fledgling YouTube uh, channel, but as Danny, you and I were talking before we went live, that's going to be changing considering some of the geekdom stuff that I've, I've set up in here. And uh, yeah, I mean, I live in Victoria, Canada. I've got a family, one of whom might bring me in a donut during this live stream because <laughs> it's a Saturday and it's my family day. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I am really passionate about productivity because I believe that ultimately when it comes down to productivity, it's that marriage between or the union between intention and attention that really is what we need to be focusing on. The apps come second, right? Like let's focus on the app within first. That's the kind of stuff that I deal with. And I'm, I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and I have no signs of slowing down. I keep finding new and interesting things to explore in this field. So I'm just going to keep riding that wave. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. And for for those people that are are joining in, so Gail, good to see you, Nerdy Notioner as well, and Paulie. Uh, I have got your YouTube channel linked in the description, so when you do start doing the the new exciting stuff, people can see what's going on. And I will say, I've been listening to your podcast for a long time, Thanks, <laughs> a long time. Uh, it's one one of those ones that sort of sits in the background, it just carries on going through. Uh, and there's so there's so many small nuggets of information that I'm just like, I want it. I want it all. Um, yeah, you know, and it's funny because when I started podcasting, the the whole goal of podcasting, this is back in well over 10 years ago now. I, I, I did college radio back when, oddly enough, when I was not in college, but had I was like a co-op student. I was working at a college and I just got into radio. And then when podcasting came along, one of the people that I worked with at the radio station wanted to do this pop culture canada podcast right it was called discultured but it was spelled d-y-s cultured and uh i'm like yeah let's get into it and i'd already started doing my productivity parody podcast because that's how i got started in this whole thing is kind of doing this stephen colbert-esque take on productivity and what happened was is uh i just the bug was back you know i mean but i'm, I'm a creative person at heart uh you know i love to uh, one of the things, there's a podcast I listen to that's not productivity related, but it's called Smartless. I don't know if you've heard of it and if anyone in the audience has heard of it. It's I have heard of it. I, have you seen the question I've put up? They, they've asked if you could turn oh. your mic volume up. Okay. How's that? Is that better? Let me know uh, it's definitely better. louder on my side. So I'll... Yeah. Let's see if we can, if that, if that helps. Yeah. I'll uh, keep an eye on chat. But yeah, I, I have heard of it. Yeah. It's so it is, it is basically the, um, it, it's, it's. Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes from Will and & Grace. And they interview these really celebrity friends, of course. But they also interview people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and Kamala Harris and other people like that. And one thing that they, they said 
was uh, when they were talking to Judd Apatow is is Sean Hayes said that he, Judd Apatow makes comedy relatable. Like he, he like when you watch a Judd Apatow film, it's like, oh, yeah, this totally could happen in, in, to me. This could complete. I'm still quiet. Eh? OK, uh, <laughs> let me let me boost up. Let me see if I can uh, change that really quickly. To make you sound really crisp. I'm going to see if I can turn myself down a little. There we go. Turn myself down a little bit. Let's see if I can uh, boost that up a bit. Uh, we'll go to the. Uh, I'm playing with some new software, everybody, just so that you know. I've got this A10 Mini, so I'm going to go to audio and I'm going to see if I can crank up the. Oh, that's the camera. I don't want to crank up the camera volume. I want to crank up the the volume of the. Fifty percent more. He's not that quiet on my side. No. How's that? Is that better? That that should be. I'm putting it through the A10 Mini Pro, so hopefully it's a little bit better. If not, I'll just switch to uh, I'll just switch to having it go through. Oh, actually, no, it is not going through the. There now, now it's way loud, right? Yeah, I got some. Yeah, I got some. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna bring that back down to like. Uh, how's that? Is that better? I, I can better. still hear some feedback. I can hear myself as well. Weird, interesting. That's phenomenal. That's fascinating to me. I can hear some feedback too. Huh. See, this is what happens when you play with new equipment right before going on air. Yeah, now you're really quiet. <laughs> okay, good, good. No, but that's 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 good. At least what I'm doing is, how's that? Is that better? I still have, I still a, high have a high pitch, like, uh, uh, and I can hear myself as well. How's that? Is that better? No, I can no, still, I hear, still myself. hear myself. And the, the, the high pitch squeal, squeal, whatever that is. That I'm just getting so this feedback. What we're going to do then is we're going to switch. Sorry, everybody. We are going to switch so that it goes through the Rodecaster Pro. Okay. The, and then we'll boost it up a bit more. How's the squeal that? has stopped and the volume has gone back up. It's gone back up because I've boosted myself pretty significantly on the Rodecaster Pro, like to the point where it's <laughs> it's peaking. Uh, so let me know, everybody, if, if that sounds better. 50% uh, more mic on mic. That's a tad better. I can still... The built-in mic shouldn't be on because... I am using my, I'm looking at it right now, and it shows that the black magic, uh, let's, let's do this. Let's do this instead. How's that? Uh, Is that better? Because I'm using, I now turned off a automatically adjust manual mic stuff in StreamYard. Should be better right. now. Torrance said that's got it. That's got it? Okay. So there it's the <laughs> so it's the bit. See, this is the interesting thing about hardware and software. When they talk to each other really well, it's great. Sometimes it's the hardware, sometimes it's the software. So anyway, um, back to my quick. Just to get back into it, I try to make time management relatable. That was an aha moment for me, where I'm like, you know what? That's the kind of thing I like to be able to do. So for me, uh, the 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 podcast. It's not the thing I intended to be the thing that. I got known for or that was going to be my primary but somehow it became that like it was very much a hey mike i love your podcast you know we love your podcast that's the thing that you do i'm like no the podcast is just one part of what i do it's just one part of it but i love the fact that i mean i get what we get we get tons of listeners every single week like i think we're up to we're over five million downloads of the podcast we're, we're getting closer to six now so it's been uh, it's been pretty it's been a fun journey <laughs> yeah yeah five million that's a lot that's that's a lot of listeners yeah it's, 
It's interesting you say that as well, because in I think so relatability in the business, productivity, app, software, whatever, whatever world it is, finding something that's relatable. So coming from an academic background, it's it's actually funny. I was doing some research on this earlier today. Uh, there's a massive bridge between what what academics talk about and what the general population understand, uh, which is a, a language barrier. And we've gone through language a few times on stream. And it's if, if you can't relate to it, you're not going to learn it. You're not going to retain it, whatever that happens to be. Same with. Yeah apps processes and if you can't relate to what the you're talking about you're not going to retain it you're not going to learn it it's just over your head yeah you gotta have you gotta try to create an aha moment for somebody right mm -hmm. like where they go oh right like i know when i try to explain to people about projects right they're, they're they i said one of the biggest problems you have is that you're when you're looking at your to-do list that you're 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 trying to complete a project and you've disguised it as a task right but really when you think about it um, we have way more projects to accomplish than tasks. But what happens is we get really good at compartmentalizing them. So like, and then I will use a real world example, like doing laundry. Like I got to do the laundry today. I'm like, oh, so you're taking on that project. No, no, no. It's just doing laundry. I'm like, no, doing laundry is a multi-step project. I mean, if you were to do all the laundry in your house, that is a big project, especially if you're like me and you've got a family of four. And, you know, I mean, that is that is a big deal. So if if you can create a way to make it relatable, to give somebody that, oh, right, you know what, I laundry is a project, so is going grocery shopping. I'm teaching my daughter right now, well, I'm partly teaching, we're getting her lessons as well, uh, to drive a car, she's 16. That's a, driving a car, when you first start learning it, is a project, there's no question about it, right? But then, you know, we've learned this through books like um, Charles Duhigg's The Power of Habit, where the basal ganglia, that part of our brain, eventually understands that driving cars just get in and go but you still are doing those other little steps they're just kind of you know wrapped in it so when you're first starting to do something learning a new app uh trying to learn a new skill it's a project and then eventually over time you can figure out what steps you actually need to remove from your to-do list to make sure that you don't you know miss any steps and that's where productivity gets personal right because for me it might be one way but for you danny you might say this step is the one i keep missing so i need to keep this in my list whereas for me i might not even have to worry about that step so that's the thing that i really uh really enjoy about this process is that when you can take something that people mutually understand real world application and then tie it back in to hey this is what I teach. This is what, you know, is related to time management productivity. It that's just really gratifying because that's what you do as a comedian. That's what you do as an if you're doing stand up or improv or sketch, you take extraordinary circumstances and make them ordinary or ordinary circumstances and make them extraordinary. You do the same sort of thing when it comes to um, when it comes to to uh, doing this relatability factor inside the work that you and I do. Oh, yeah. And I I have, so for those that are familiar with the channel, I've recently done a couple of, I, I guess, skits, sketches, just because they're fun to create. And they're, they're conversations I've had with, like in my own mind, but I can, I can relate with those. And YouTube doesn't like them, well, at the moment anyway. Um, but the people that have watched them, it, there's so much engagement because they're relating, they can relate to whatever the topic happened to be. And it's interesting that you mentioned the, that essentially input output in inside of uh, coding so projects having multiple step processes yep. input output i've recently got into coding and programming and that that's literally what it is a computer is it's not stupid but it looks stupid when you're trying to learn what it's trying to do just do this or the just do this in your head is one step for the computer it's like 
10, same with kids. different things. Same with kids. <laughs> same with kids. Like, go do the dishes. We're like, I don't know where this dish goes. How could you not know where this dish? Like, it, it's it's interesting. And what's funny, it, when you get back to the old core of life hacks, right, which people tend to talk about quite a bit, um, and that's the, that was the big thing that got a lot of people into productivity is like life hacker and life hacks. All that originated, it was Danny O'Brien, I think was the name of the gentleman, that coined the term life hacks. And he came from a coding background because that's what you, that's, and you, you would know this, but I mean, that's, that's the thing. And what's interesting is that I think that those are really, really critically important, but they are meant to speed up certain things so you can spend more time on the things that are actually truly important. And what happens is we get confused and we go, oh, I want to, I want to, I want to have this life hack and this life hack and this life hack. And then we, we, we tend to hack the things that we shouldn't be hacking, right? We, and that's what, what you should be doing. So when you're, when you're teaching and when you're coding, you can't do that with a computer. Like the, the, it's not possible. But yet when we take that term life hack and bring it into the, like the real world, that there's a real danger there that you end up hacking the things that you shouldn't be hacking at all. Yeah. And there's, I mean, in the coding world, if you try and hack something or get around something, you're going to come up with an error. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the dreaded error boxes are going to appear. Yep. Uh, and it, it's interesting you bring up life hacking because in my mind, so this is how my brain works. I've associated you with Seth Godin because I know you did a podcast together yep. um, and you, you were speaking about life hacks. And I can't remember what Seth said about emails. I think it was a, uh, what was it? A, a place to hide. I think it was emails are a place to hide. Yep. Um, and, and that's the quote that comes to mind. And I was thinking, yeah, and and the the hacking your way through time, productivity, tasks, sick thing, yeah, or the, whatever that happens to be, you're you're hiding in something. Yeah, the problem with email is that it's it's often a place that tells you what to do that are simpler or faster or easier for you to do than the things you know you actually need to be doing. Right, so it can disguise itself as real work now. I've been in this long enough, and I remember, I remember when I first started teaching this, and this is where you know the the experience pays off and the wisdom is. I used to say never check email first thing in the morning. That was one thing that I, I was I was I, I you know I, I declared that, and you know over time, and this is when you get so close to something that you forget that that you may have some blind spots because your situation might be different. And somebody said, "Well, I'm in customer service. Like my job is to answer emails. So you telling me not to answer emails is." literally going to get me in a lot of trouble. So how do I, how do I put myself in a position where I can answer the emails that I'm, you know, do that job, not ignore email, but also not dwell in it, right? And I think that that's, that's, that's something that we miss. We miss the fact that, yes, there's things like email, which gives us that little dopamine hit when we get to inbox zero or we ever answer every email. But we need to ask ourselves, there's got, yeah, but, and that's the thing, again, that term inbox zero was never meant to say, get your email to zero. That was not what Merlin Mann meant when he coined the term. Cal Newport recently wrote an article for the New Yorker about this in support of his new book, A World Without Email. And I'm not dismissing email on the whole. I think that the email, when used properly, is a valuable tool. But the problem is, is as you say, it becomes a place of refuge from the real deep work that is going to take some deeper thought that is going to take some time to actually complete and you're not going to get that quick win you're not going to get that quick you know check off the box and that's why back to the term about projects if you break a project down to its smallest particles then you're going to get more of those check marks that we need to get the dopamine hit that email supplies for us or checking our dm supply for us 
and then we run into the issue whenever I'm working with someone on this, they say, yeah, but now my to-do list is that much longer. I'm like, no, it isn't. It's just that much more visible. And you're not, you know, go to book works like Atul Gawande's The Checklist Manifesto. If a surgeon, and I know Ali would probably talk about this too, because I mean, he, but if you're a surgeon and you go into, they have a checklist for a reason. The reason it's there is that they don't want to miss a step. And no matter how great the surgeon is, no matter how experienced, no matter how many years they've been doing it, that checklist exists. And we should be doing that, not necessarily for everything. I think there needs to be some reason applied to this. Like you're not going to need that checklist for laundry every single time, but wouldn't it be nice to have it for when you want to pass it on to somebody else? Or if you're working on a report or something like that, that you know you need to do, wouldn't it be great to break it down to its smallest steps so that you don't miss a step, but also you could say, hey, Bill, I need you to write this report. Here are all the steps involved. It, taking that time to do that is really, really powerful because what it does is it, it, it does. It future-proofs your productivity, and then it gives you the ability to learn new things, spend time digging deeper into other things down the line. Yeah, and it's it's funny as soon as as soon as I hear checklists, I think of Matt Diavella's video where he spoke about checklists and the rocket scientists and yep. them still using checklists, and then Thomas obviously going backwards and forwards between that. And my my references don't go back to books because I'm not an avid reader. I I go back to YouTube videos because. But they read the book, so it's fine. You can <laughs> exactly. That's what I say when when my parents say, "So have you read this book?" Because I, I reference books. I'm like, "No," but I've watched the video where someone explained the book to me. Yeah, yeah. Matt Diavella is Matt and Thomas. Gosh, who else? Who else? See, this is the thing: is uh, YouTube. <laughs> it's interesting that YouTube has become a place to check out productivity stuff because YouTube can be one of the places where we get <laughs> where it become a bit of a time vampire. So yeah. it's it, but but what's if you go in with intent, right? Like my subscribe to certain channels. Um, I spent some time uh, the past couple of days watching you and you, you you arguing with your alter ego about keyboards. And it was like you presented a really interesting argument about the keyboard conundrum because I feel the same way. I've got a low free four seasons keyboard that I cannot remove the switches from. And and when you are made that argument, I don't know if anyone, if you haven't watched that video and you're watching this live stream, you should watch that video because it's, it's literally what a lot of people, when they hear that they should get a mechanical keyboard, they're like, oh, I need this and this and this and this and this. But at the end of the day, like I'm not gonna take time between a meeting and writing to go, okay, I need to switch all these switches. Like I'm not gonna do that, but um, it's become, and, and by the way, mechanical keyboards, this was an argument that I've been in, not involved with, but I've seen people like Sean Blanc and, and David Sparks and all these guys talk about for years. And I finally bought one. And then I, then someone said, oh, well, you need, you need this, you need that, you need this. I'm like, no, I need to hear the clickety clackety sound because that means I'm doing something. That's what I need. And that's why it's so personal. So it's interesting when I, when I saw you have that argument with yourself that it was like, that's, I couldn't learn that from a book or a blog post necessarily either all i'm but with that the way you did that is it it validated my own feelings about it which is great because now i'm like i'm see i'm right that you know danny <laughs> sitting down danny and i agree wholeheartedly on certain things um but youtube presents a creative way to express these kind of things and if you go into youtube with the right hand hey i want to learn how to set up this a10 mini pro i want to figure out why my audio what's going on with the audio etc etc i want to i want to learn how to get, you know, why, what a good evening routine is because I'm a night owl. So what's a good evening routine? To me, the visual stimulation of that is really powerful. And then I would much rather do that than, uh, let's say, watch Netflix or that, that's so 
and I was talking to um, Nir Eyal about this when he was on my program. We were talking about the idea of indistractability. And as a parent, one of the things that came up, especially during the pandemic, was screen time for my kids. My son is an avid gamer. He plays Roblox. He likes all this stuff. And one of the things that came to mind, even though he didn't necessarily say this in the book, was uh, if you want to spend your time playing Madden football or FIFA you know, 21 or whatever, um, that's not a waste of time if you're intentional about it, right? And I realized, you know, I like watching the Leicester City Football Club because it's the first time I'm actually able to put my own name on the back of a jersey and feel good about it because Jamie Vardy <laughs> is kicking some serious butt at an older age, too. So um, so I'm like, this is okay. great. That's what got me into, into watching football, right? And I'm like watching this game for, what, three hours? Yeah, we'll talk about what it is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there in a second. I just want to get there. But I'm watching a game for three hours, and my son is playing Roblox for three hours. The difference is generational. He's playing games. And actually, what he does is he'll watch Dan TDM play you play video games on YouTube. And some people are like, well, that's such a waste of time. I'm like, you just watched the Super Bowl. You watched other people play a game for three hours. So that revelation, like, and sometimes you get those. I get, again, there's a bit of a goosebump moment here. I don't know if you can see it, but there's a goosebump moment here where I'm like, okay, everyone is very different on how they use their time, how they make their time, how they take their time. And generationally, that's going to change. And once you realize, you know, and through YouTube, through reading, through all those things, you get that perspective, then you can kind of figure out, okay, what, what, what's going to work for me? It's, a, it's freeing in a lot of ways. But I have a feeling you're going to say something about Leicester City, right? <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't the Leicester City thing. It was the majority of people that I've spoken to currently inside of the productivity tech space, as soon as I mention sport, you, you sort of see the attention going. You mentioned football. I was like, someone else with sport. Dude, dude I watch I'm, – I'm a Cincinnati Bengals American football fan, much to my chagrin. So I'm keeping track of free agency. I know uh, – what I love about watching uh, football, like soccer right now, is it's one of those sports where you could have it on in the background, and if they score, because it's so infrequent in most cases, you can go, oh, because I have DAZN, which is in Canada, it's like D-A-Z-N. And I can watch the I, it, it gives me access to both Europa champions and, and EPL. And so I can go back and go, oh, someone just scored for Leicester City. Let me hit the 30 second rewind button. Oh, OK. Like I can kind of have it on in the periphery, but there's certain like baseball is like that, too. You can kind of do that with baseball. But with sports like hockey, basketball, um, you can't really do that because you're not paying enough attention. So you can actually tandem task a little bit with that. But you're right. Most productivity people, they're like they're not into sports. Um, they do they they do tend to geek out a little bit about comic books and superhero mm. stuff, which I also I mean, if you can I mean, you can see right there, I've got like the vision there and I, you know, I've got Green Lantern stuff all throughout my study. So, again, by being a sporting fan and paying attention to sports, it does make me more relatable to people that are, you know, into that stuff. And when I can mention to, you know, one of my friends who said, you know, my kid spent three hours on video games the other today and uh, or they watched you know dan tdm play and i'm like well what'd you do today oh yeah i watched the hockey game I'm like you do the same thing <laughs> they're like what do you mean i'm like all they're doing is watching him play a sport it's just a video game sport and you are watching someone play an actual sport i go i go the difference is your kid could get to that level because it's a digital game 
you can't go play hockey tomorrow because you would get destroyed. I mean, you can't just go do that. And they're like, oh, I never thought about it that way. I'm like, of course you didn't. Because perspective, we often don't take the time to get perspective on that. So, yeah, I, I love watching um, soccer, football, uh, baseball sometimes. I miss there's certain sports that you have to watch live, I think, to get immersed mm -hmm. in it. Like hockey, we have a, a junior team that plays in Victoria here. And they're a uh, they're, so the junior team is kind of like the, the when the NHL drafts players, that's where they come from. And so I watch that. Uh, I will go to the games because I can walk there and you, nothing like having a beer and watching hockey. Right. Uh, football. I, I do like going live, but it's so expensive. And baseball live. Um, when I was in uh, Houston a couple of years ago, I went and watched the Astros play. And when we're in, back in Toronto occasionally, which is not very often, honestly, I will go to a Blue Jays game. But, yeah, I love watching sport because it, there's lessons in there, right? There's lessons in, like, failing. Like, the best athletes fail, you know, in baseball 70% of the time. Like, the best hitters only hit the ball 30% of the time. The best one ever hit the ball 60 or 40% of the time. Like, so even he was below the 50th percentile. So there, I think there's lessons in these things, too, which is, which is uh, you know, and think about a soccer game. All uh, Ted Lasso, I loved that series on Apple. Have you watched it, Danny? Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus. I haven't. No. If anyone is in the chat that's seen this this show, it is glorious because it's the idea of a transplanted American who coached American football is hired by a foe like a, a EPL league team to coach them to manage them, and just this fish out of water story. It's just so so it's just got such a heart to it that I really enjoyed. And um, that, that actually has helped some people embrace, embrace those things, but there's lessons inside of sport that we miss if we're, you know, and I think that people who dismiss it because like, Oh, it's sports. I don't have time. That's fine. But dismissing anything out of hand, I think is never a good idea. Oh yeah. And it, it's something I've certainly learned. So my undergraduates in sports coaching, postgraduate strength and conditioning, sports performance is essentially high performance. It's just in, in a sports context instead of business. There's right. so many things that cross over. And when it comes to, so you mentioned about watching sport, mm -hmm. the news, I, I, my parents, for example, they, they consume the news. They'll sit there and read through the paper. Well, whether it was a physical paper previously or digital paper now, they sit there for hours on end, but they moan at me for watching YouTube. And I'm like, yeah, but it's literally the same thing half the time. <laughs> well, the other problem, I, I don't watch news. I don't really, if I'm going to consume any sort of news, it's at the end of my day. Because I know, I know that I, something might derail me. Um, I'll give you an example. And this is small, but it's local. Uh, they're going to be building a, on my street, they're building a mixed-use um, bike and car kind of road area. And the problem with that, that a lot of people find in our neighborhood, I'm not against cycling, but the problem is cyclists are doing quite fine here. Like, there's no real issue that we've perceived, but our city council is very cycling-centric, and they want to be like Portland, but we're not like Portland. So that kind of, if I... If I saw, and it just happened the other day where they approved a lane that we didn't even know was going to be happening. If I saw that first thing in the morning, it'd be there. It would just be there somewhere. Um, and that's just a small thing. Like, that's not even, like, you know, related to COVID-19. It's not my, – my, my wife will read the news early in the day. And I kind of count on her to relay information to me because she's almost like a filter, right? Like, the stuff that she knows matters to us, she will relay to me. And then later in the day, I will check out, you know, the the 
broader picture of news. I don't want to not know stuff, but I want to know it when I want to know it because I can't control the onslaught. It's kind of like email, right? Like there are hundreds of people that email you, but there's only one you. It's the same thing with news, like whether it's Twitter coming through Twitter, Facebook feed, whether it's just coming directly at you in your email inbox, like there's multiple sources, but there's only one you. And I'm like, I need to win the, I need to be able to take care of my thing first before I check out all this other stuff. And I, I throw this quote around like, I mean, uh, cope, uh, cope with what you can command, what you uh, cope with what you cannot control command with what you command, what you can, that's how you conquer the day. Right? So I try to, do the commanding first and then cope with it afterwards because yeah i mean i don't want to have that stuff i mean if i was paying attention to the news this whole time my brain would be i would not be able to get the stuff that i needed to get done i wouldn't be able to put together this this challenge that's happening oh you know next week i would be so wrapped up in that stuff because i know myself well enough to know that that's what would happen so yeah i sport like I will go after, I will check that. But even then, I mean, if I realize, and I journal a lot, right? So I journal daily. Uh, I will mention in my journal, hey, I know that, you know, the news is getting to me or I know that this got in my way when I didn't intend it to. So I'm like, you know, what? I'm not going to look at any news, sport, comic book, movie stuff, any of that stuff until after a certain time of day, because then I know I've taken care of the stuff I need to take care of. Yeah, there's so many good points in there. Something that did spring to mind. So the conversation I had with Santi uh, during the week was about note-taking, knowledge management and things like that. And the capture process, how what that looks like. Uh, and I feel like information, what you said there is basically if you if you don't need it, so just leave it. News, you, you want a filtered version of the, the news of social media. Do you, do you do the same with your learning, your note-taking? Well, it's interesting. I'm I'm only starting to get into the 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 PKN tools. My you know the per, I guess personal knowledge management PKM tools. I'm only really starting to get into those. I mean, I've used Evernote forever in a day. I think I started in 2007. I don't know. I'd have to look at my account. Um, uh, I don't have to pay for it. Let's put it that way because there's some people that like the credits are there. So, um, but Evernote has definitely over the last five years really taken a um a different stance on how they approach things so i'm actually looking at i'll look at other tools when it comes to capturing though i i live by this mantra capture everything regret nothing so i'll capture it in the moment and then later i'll assess it it's kind of like the idea of you know in stephen king in his book on writing he talks about like when he writes a first draft he'll write it then he'll put it away for like six weeks or something like that and then he'll look at it with a fresh set of eyes I don't believe, I think by having the habit of capture everything, regret nothing, anything that, that comes to my mind that I know I might want to revisit later, I want to get out of my head so that way my that way I can trust where it goes and then I can assess it properly with very little, let's say with a balanced approach as opposed to too much emotion or too much logic, I can approach it with reason. Like So for example, um, I was, oh, I want to interview David Robinson, the basketball player from the San Antonio Spurs for my podcast at some point, because he has a podcast called The Fundamentals, which just ended. It was a limited series podcast, but he was my favorite basketball player. He is my favorite basketball player of all time. He has some integrity. I was all like, he was just a stunning player. And so I, I was listening to the podcast out on my walk and I take two walks per day, one to start my day, one to end my day. So that way I can keep active. And I literally was listening to the podcast and I hit, I have drafts on my iPhone, which I love. Drafts is my favorite tool because I can put, save it in drafts and then I can decide where I want it to go afterwards. And I actually have a Zettelkasten action set up 
in there now because it goes to my note-taking app of choice, which I will share with you in a few minutes. But um, so all I did was I said, interview David Robinson for the podcast. That was the first thing. And then as I kept walking, I thought, well, no, I don't want to just interview him. I want to be able to do like what Rich Roll does or what – like I'm going to take the podcast to the next level. So I don't just want to interview him. I want to go to San Antonio and interview him in person. Like I want to have him and do a video like an actual – maybe that's the first one I do. So that just kept going. And I, then I just went back in drafts and go um, – not only do I want to, and I'm literally dictating, not only do I want to have him on my podcast, but I want to go to San Antonio and interview him in person and make sure I take a picture with him. Like I just, blah, 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 and I put it in there and I'm like, there it is. Now I can feel free to, and of course, when you do that using the dictation, and I love doing it, you, you, if you, in case you didn't notice, I do like to talk. Um, <laughs> but I like to use the dictation option, right? And then I can, then nothing is filtered. And then when I assess it later and I move it into my task app, let's say it's going to be tasks, it'll go into my task management tool, the one that I use for work stuff because that would be work-related. And if it's just like, oh, I want to you know, expand upon this and get some ideas of what I want to talk to David about, that'll go into another tool. But it all starts in drafts. And by having that mentality, drafts becomes this like portable inbox right? that I can have anywhere, anytime. So even when I'm out on a walk, getting exercise, moving, I can, you know, capture things as I go. I don't have an Apple Watch. I used to. I got rid of it because I felt it was more of a weight than anything else. I didn't need it. I just needed something that I could literally grab my phone, pick it up, hit the hit the dictate button in drafts and go with it. So that's I I believe that no matter how silly, in fact, if your idea is silly, when your brain goes, "Oh, I shouldn't write that down. It's silly." You should absolutely write it down. You know, the the only other signal that tells you that you should write it down for sure is, "Eh, hey, I'll remember it later." No, you won't. Capture it now. Because Later is what your brain is actually saying is I want to deal with that later, not I'll remember it later. And if you capture it in the moment, you don't need and, and you have to be clear about it. You can't just put like David Robinson, right? Like you have to kind of give a verb or maybe you know give a bit more context to it. But then when you have the bandwidth, which you should have by, if you know, prioritizing or not prioritizing, but optimizing other areas of your life. And you can sit down and say, OK, now's my time to process and assess. Oh, the David Robinson thing. Let me expand on that a bit more. Um, it becomes a practice, right? It becomes a, a thing that you can actually do something with as opposed to, I'll remember it later because your brain will go, what was that thing again? What was that? And that's wasted time and it's wasted energy. And I don't want to do that. I'd rather have this effortless flow where it's like, oh, something's come to mind. I want to capture it. Oh, shoot. My phone is dead. I don't have my phone with me. Oh, good. Well, I keep a notebook and a pen in every jacket pocket. So therefore I can write it down there. I don't even need to remember what I wrote down. If I wrote something down in my in, in a notebook in my jacket pocket, the only thing I need to remember is, did I write something down while I was out? Yes, I did. Okay, let's put the notebook in my inbox, and I'll deal with it later. It's just, it's a really um, instrumental and, and, and uh, effective way of operating that allows me to, um, you know, feel confident and trust that whatever comes to mind, I'm going to be able to either deal with it later or or maybe dismiss it later maybe it's like you know what this is you know what i've assessed it this is not something i even want to do oh well at least i was able to assess it with um my full presence in mind and 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 evaluating it against everything else so that that processing sort of stage i guess you'd yeah. call it um is it so you mentioned that you put it in a in a task manager whatever that happens to be is yep. it 
do you go to each task manager and go, this is what I'm going to process today? Is it like an end of day process or is it just a, I'm going to go through this stuff now? So I have a, I have a, a time of day that I call maintenance mode and that's when I do that sort of stuff. So I have between, even though I'm a night owl, uh, and, and I think this is a misconception for people who are night owls. And I, I'm a big champion of night owls. I don't think you should fight your body clock. You've got way more important battles to fight. And science has shown that, you know, uh, circadian rhythms done a certain way. Um, everyone has different, right? I was reading the other day that people who are have sleep pattern issues, some have ADHD. And if they have ADHD and a sleep pattern issue, there's no wonder why they operate better between... 10 a.m. and 2 a.m. as opposed to people who operate better between, you know, like 7 a.m. And, and 11 p.m. But <clears throat> so for me, what what I'll do is I during this maintenance period. So I have like my morning walk and then I have writing time between 930 and 11 or nine Yeah, 930 and 1130. So two hours, so 10 hours, Monday through Friday. That's when I'm focusing on writing, like whether it's a book, whether it's a course, whatever. And then between 11.30 and 12.30, so just an hour, that's when I'll process. And that'll be, let me go into drafts. Has everything moved where it needed to go? If it's moved, the one thing about drafts is if you've moved it, it's already archived. So I'm just looking in the inbox at that point. The archive has sent it to where it needs to go. And I've taken the time over time to set up where things need to go. Then I'll go, um, if, it's, if it's work stuff, my work, ma my work tasks have recently, in fact, one of your uh, former live stream, Yvonne, uh, has, has, is helping move productivity of stuff from Asana, which we've just exported everything, which was a beast to do, because if you capture everything, there's going to be a lot of things that need to be moved into ClickUp. So we're using ClickUp now. And the reason KPIs, OKRs, like I think it's just a better scalable model for my team and myself. So I will use ClickUp for work stuff. And that'll happen in that maintenance mode time because it's work time. So that's, and then my, um, I'm, I've recently started to use my, this new note-taking app tool because I tried Notion. I didn't, there were some things I didn't like about it. Um, I think it's a valuable tool, but the, there's some things I was just like, nah, I don't really, you know, I don't really like the way this is laid out. And I also want to make sure I have my own data, right? Like that's really, especially after being in Evernote for so long. If you've ever tried to get things out of Evernote, <laughs> I, I feel bad for you, especially if you've been in there for so long. You almost feel hostage. Like, well, I guess this is the tool I have to use because I can't get it. I don't know where to put these ENEX files. Um, I, try, I tried Rome. Not a fan of the security issues in Rome in terms of, like, where things are encrypted and stuff like that. I looked at Craft as well, which is Mac. But it to me, it seems that's more like an idea. Uh, uh, it almost feels to me like it's a place just to save articles and it's not really linking things is a bit more challenging in there. Um, and then there's one called, what is it? Note plan. I think it is. That's for uh, iOS only, but yep. I'm becoming more of a person. The one thing I've realized over my years of talking about productivity stuff, and this is definitely evidenced in my journaling app of choice, which we can talk a little bit about later is you can't be a Mac person in this world and also help people that are not on Macs because immediately they dismiss you. Immediately, yeah. they're like, I'm sorry, I'm on Windows. This Whatever you've said, I cannot, because you're a Mac person, which is not true. I mean, I, I have Mac devices, yes, but they're, my, my son has an Android tablet, which, you know, because it's just a better option for him. So we're, we're we, I love my Apple products, there's no question, but I know in my work, I need to have something that can be multi-platform. So I use Obsidian. Obsidian is the one that we're getting into. I've watched a number of people talk about it. Justin from Effective uh, Working From Home, mm -hmm. um, David Sparks. Mm -hmm. um uh mike schmitz who's a 
works with the sweet setup. A lot of people love Obsidian. What I like is uh, what I really like is the Markdown downloader that you can download. Whoo! You can just and then you drag it to your folder and then you just put it in the vault and it's lickety split. It's fast. I'm like, okay, so Obsidian is where I'm gonna go. So that's where my ideation stuff happens. So if I'm building something, it can go in there. And then the way I connect these things, because I think this is important too, is in ClickUp, I have a tag called Obsidian, right? So where am I going? Oh, I need to, what are all the things that are Obsidian I need to look at? I just click on the tag and go, oh, here they all are. Uh, the other tool that I use, and I use this for personal, but I also use it for things that are, like if I'm working with coaching clients, um, we often use, because uh, I'm an ambassador for Todoist as well. And I like Todoist because Todoist is a great, I think it's a great option for pretty much everybody, unless you're starting to work with a team that's scaling. Once you get to like more than two people, Todoist is not, it's just, I don't feel it's designed for that. And I've been very clear with them about that. So Todoist, I like for personal stuff. So I, if it's a personal idea, what's interesting is drafts allows me to go, oh, it's, this is, this is for work. It's going to click up. Oh, and it goes to click up and I can look at it there. Oh, this is for personal. I can shoot it off to Todoist. Oh, this is an idea for anything because in Todoist, I have labels and Todoist, I have the label that says Obsidian. I can shoot it off to Obsidian. And while Obsidian is still very much in its infancy and Obsidian, by the way, I believe, yes, it does. It has a, um, what do they call those? Th Gosh, I feel, <laughs> what do they call those things in Obsidian where you can have the, um, the special, like the community made, um, mm. add-ons plugins. Yeah. The plugins. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I wouldn't know what that term is. But <laughs> they have there are so many plugins. <laughs> they do have a Todoist plugin mm -hmm. and click. So I'm like, great. So that's, so if it's an Obsidian, and I'm like, this now turns into a task. So I create this, like, almost this productivity gestalt, right? Like, and again, I go back to being a, a tra uh, like a, a nerd and a <laughs> transformers back when I was a kid, like the, 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 the aerial bots would be five individual robots, but they would combine into a much bigger robot or if you're a power Rangers fan. So I'm like, this is exactly what I want. I want all these tools to talk to each other, but I still have to drive, like, I still have to be the driving force. And that means I have to future-proof it. And automations can only take you so far before this automation, the thing that goes on up here, you know, and someone mentioned rubbish in, rubbish out. Yeah. So if you do automation for automation's sake, you will get more instances of rubbish in, rubbish out than if you actually say, you know what, I need to take control of the ship, right? It's kind of like having a plane on autopilot and go, oh, we can't have it on autopilot anymore. We need to actually take over. So that's, that's kind of how I, I do that. And that's during, believe it or not, that's during that hour, five days a week. And then I won't do the Todoist stuff until later in the day when the workday is done, when I'm kind of sitting around and because it's a lot easier to do the personal stuff. But inside of that hour, I'm able to process a lot of stuff. And it's basically just saying, what is this? When am I like, when do I want this to get my attention again? Not, and I have a custom field in ClickUp that's called attention dates. And that's, it's not about doing it. It's about like, when do I want to have this come back to me and say, okay, what are you going to do about this? When you, because due dates to me, they're artificial in a lot of ways, especially if you're running your own business. So attention is like, okay, now you're going to make a decision on it. Like, I know I have to, you know, build, um, well, I have to order like this riser that I was talking about. Well, when, it's not due. Like, I don't have to have a due date for it, but I want to, I want it to come back to my attention at some point. So in Todoist, where it says, date or schedule notice it, if you look at todoist it doesn't say due date on it i think it says it used to say schedule i think it just says date now that to yeah. me is just the attention date so i don't necessarily i don't look at the today field in todoist because i don't think it's it's 
I think it's it's there's always going to be stuff to do. So I basically say, okay, what's this attention date look like? Oh, these are the things that I need to have my attention today. And then I can decide, okay, when am I going to do them? And I have a, a multifaceted way of looking at that. But that's how that works. And I know someone has a question, so I'll get to it. But <laughs> I want to hand this back over to you because it sounds like, holy crow, Mike's got this massive process. But this isn't something that I just built in a day. This is something that's evolved over time, especially as I've switched tools, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I will say now, uh, even though it's not necessarily really obvious on my channel, my, my main tool is Obsidian. Um, yeah. yeah. And you were a Notion guy. I remember you were doing Notion. I mean, and the, the, Notion is a, I have one client who fell in love with Notion, absolutely fell in love with it. And I have learned, again, much like the don't check email first thing in the morning. It's not about, I mean, a good app allows you to make it what you need it to be, mm. right? And that's why, like, when I look at a tool, like, again, Todoist. Todoist is a great example. I love Todoist, but Todoist, I, I evaluate by simplicity, uh, obviousness, like how obvious it is that things should go where they should go, and then scalability. And Todoist is great for simplicity. It's on, like, I mean, there's some things in there that are, like, the fact that, like, we're, my son and I are going on a trip to the States in the fall, touch wood, depending on how things are going, uh, which it looks like it's promising at this point. We're supposed to go on a, uh, uh, we're going to go to New York, and then we're going to take the train to Philadelphia, and then we're going to go to Washington because there's a Transformers conference that's supposed to take place in Baltimore, and him and I are going to geek out amongst all the Autobots and Decepticons. That's what we're going to do. And he's super excited for it. In fact, he even wants to go even if the, if the uh, conference is canceled. I have in Todoist certain things he wants to see, and instead of putting due dates on it in Todoist, you can do location-based reminders, right? So when we get to New York, Todoist is going to go, here are all the things. You want to go to the Empire States Building. You want to go to this. So now I get the reminder when it's appropriate. And I think location-based reminders are one of the things that's, yes, other tools have it, but in Todoist made it so easy for the average person, the person that doesn't live in the bubble that you and I do, Danny, to be able to do it. And so that's why I love it. And so when I'm working with someone, who, by the way, this client is in Todoist with me that loves Notion. There's such a diametric opposition between those two because Todoist, you can manipulate and you can make it what you want. But Notion, oh my goodness, talk about a sandbox, right? Oh, yeah. But I'm not going to dismiss it. I will say, I will say that if you're using Notion for task management, you are missing the, I still think you're missing the boat. I think that it's not designed for that and you do have to pigeonhole and shoehorn a lot of things in there. I, I'm not saying it won't get to that point, but it was kind of like when people were using Evernote for task management. Like it's just not, like I think Notion is a great, to your point, ideation, note-taking, second brain, as Tiago Forte would say, kind of tool to a degree, right? Thomas Frank uses it for his video stuff, but he also uses frame.io and a few other things in there as well, right? Yeah. So I think that, but Obsidian to me, it just felt, it just felt like it was the right, it had the right combination of everything. The fact I get to have my own data was really important. Yeah. looks like they've got a mobile app coming, which mm -hmm. we all know that the mobile experience on most of these apps has not been exactly stellar, right? Certainly so, not their main focus. No, so, so yeah, I mean, you wouldn't know. So let me ask you this then. So are you using Obsidian to drive the tasks in, for your channel or are you using it for mainly organizing things? And then you've got a task management tool that kind of is the um, almost like the ping. You know what I mean? Like this is the ping. Uh, we'll get to Gareth's question in a second. So for, for me, um, Obsidian is note taking 
everywhere note taking. Uh, like today, I was talking. Right, I'm taking notes on plain English, which is essentially what you were just going through, making something simple. I I have a plugin that sim- similar to Ample Note, whatever task I put in Obsidian goes on my sidebar. Got so. It random small actions that I suddenly just pop to mind uh, when taking notes or just brainstorming all over the place. I'll just add it like control enter because that's a shortcut and then control shift enter to add the tag because I've got shortcuts, mm-hmm. keyboard, life. Uh, and then it would just be there and it will have links all over the place. But my main tasks, uh, I don't really have a main task list, to be honest, mm-hmm. just to be completely frank. I have, like you say, projects. I have like endpoints. Which, and those are in those are in Obsidian. The projects and the endpoints are there. So, to to an extent, I mean, I I, I would have I have my my sec I call it like my secondary task list in Obsidian, sure. which is just random stuff to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to moving the ball forwards, I YouTube channel or streaming or whatever that happens to be, I actually have that in my Google Calendar as an event. So you're using it as a you're using your calendar as a to do list, which is as long as and see so you're in, you're well to a degree, but I think that yeah. that that can be helpful. As long as, first off, and you, you heard me say earlier, productivity is about intention and attention. What's my intention? It's to do this. How am I going to pay attention to this? For you, it's the calendar. And as long as you don't get hyper-scheduled, that's the key. So if it's in the calendar, to me, if it's in the calendar, this is when it happens, right? Like this is the, yeah. and you can fid, fiddle and, and fudge that a bit. Like I talk about horizontal theming. Like I said, from 1130 to, to 1230, it's maintenance mode. Now, maintenance could mean anything but I've tagged them inside these apps as this is a maintenance task. So I know what I should be doing because I don't trust this brain left to its own devices. I really don't because it's going to want to do things like, oh, let's set up this A10 Mini. And Mike, you were having that problem on StreamYard and you need to make sure you don't have that problem on Restream. So how do you, no, 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 Mike, that's not what you should be doing right now. Right now, (laughs) it's maintenance time. Click on the maintenance label or the maintenance tag and look at all those things. And that's what you should be doing. Yeah, but what's due first? That doesn't matter. Right. Can you, you see can that. you see that? I've, yes, I've got... Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And it's and everyone is susceptible to that. I don't care if you're Matt Diavella, Thomas Frank, me, David Allen. I mean, the reason David Allen made getting things done is he said, I am lazy. I need something to tell me what to do and what better thing to tell you what to do than the thing that you built in the past because it knows better in the present moment. Because in the present moment, you're like, I want to watch Justice League for four hours. Mike, you don't have four hours to watch Justice League. Okay, well, but I want to do that. So, you know, so it, it's about, uh, that's why I say the approach is more important than the apps initially, right? Mm-hmm. And so to your end, like to your point, first off, you're getting to know Obsidian really well. That's a key thing. Like if you're if you're spending a lot of time in there, you're getting to nerd out and know about it and you can test its limitations. And I know that Notion, that happens for some people too. I didn't want to invest all my time in Notion to do that because Todoist was doing fine and dandy and Asana was doing just fine until I noticed what ClickUp could do and add extra layers. And it's kind of like Stephen Pressfield's The Resistance, right? The idea of the resistance that he talks about in his book, yeah. uh, The War of Art. I believe, and he says this too, that the resistance only loses when the pain of not doing something is overwhelmed by the pain of, of, of doing something, right? Like, so if yeah. it, it, so to me, um, I made the move to click up when I realized like th- using Asana is becoming a real pain. It's not yeah. intuitive. I also know based on what their path is. And again, having studied this kind of stuff for 13 years now, uh, over 10 years full time, 
Asana's leaning towards enterprise. There's no question. Mm -hmm. They're not leaning towards the smaller. So they're not going to listen to me as much anymore. They're not going to listen to users that much that are in their small. They want the big businesses to do it. So if they're not going to listen to me, then I'm going to go somewhere that will and click up. As soon as I told ClickUp, hey, I'm going to move to ClickUp, the emails came in pretty fast and furious. Oh, good. This is great. And I said, we're going to do a series where it's like, how do we move productivity as from Asana to ClickUp? Because I don't care. I mean, I don't have loyalty to apps per se. And we're not going to call it how to, well, we might put it in the thumbnail, how, how I move from Asana. Because that's a smart, smart move. But, <laughs> but, well, I mean, it's like why I'm leaving Notion. You did that, right? Like why? And people are like, wait, why? Um, so I think that there's some, but you- I lost you, a lot of subscribers on that one. <laughs> you, you will though. There are, and what I, what I think is uh, awesome about tools is that they do create devotees, right? And same yeah. thing with systems. When I said I was leaving GTD behind, Danny, Oh my goodness. Well, it's because you were doing it wrong or this or that. What? No, I wasn't. I just realized that there, that like Bruce Lee, take what's useful, discard what isn't and, ad and add your own. Right. And great tools allow you to do that. And great systems allow you to, that's what time crafting is built on. If someone says, you know, I'm not doing all of time crafting, like what is all of time crafting? I mean, if you're theming your days, you're doing some time crafting. If you're doing journaling and reflection, that's, if you're using mode-based living, that's it, right? Like, I'm not gonna say it's an all or nothing approach. And I think that's what happens if people get so wrapped up, like, that's why the same thing happened with Evernote, by the way, with Notion, yeah. people are saying, you know, like Notion, everything's in there. Evernote was like that. Never know. People were really keyed in. OmniFocus was like that. Oh my goodness. It was so like that. Um, you know, and then you've got, uh, you know, Todoist. There's some people who are really dialed in on that too. I think tools can really galvanize and, and, and uh, a kind of um, strengthen the resolve of people. And yeah, when you said you, I mean, I know Francesco said, I'm leaving Notion and this is what I'm going to do instead. People were like, oh man, like you're, you, you know, this, you're just doing this for the clicks or whatever. It's like, yeah. no, I mean, the, I think that find the tool that works for you. And and again, I, I use the golf metaphor a lot for this too. Like if I went golfing with a pro and I had the best clubs in the world, I would still lose to the golfer that had like the worst clubs in the world if they've been pr practicing for a long time. And what if the app goes away? What if Notion gets sold? What if, look what Microsoft has done to Wonderlist, right? Like yeah. look what- <laughs> That's exactly where my brain went. Right? Do you, do you, does anyone remember Astrid at all? A-S-T-R-I-D that's in the chat? Anyone remember it? No, I'm not sure about that one actually. It's, it was acquired by Yahoo. It was pretty, it, it was a niche productivity product. People liked it, it went away. Look at Trello. Trello is still around, but Atlassian acquired them. Mm. So don't, don't think that that's, I mean, see, like the only ones I'm not concerned about are places like Todoist. I'm, I mean, ClickUp has hit that level of unicorn status to, and I use that loosely, that notion did, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that, again, when you're using a tool, ask yourself, like, that's why I'm sticking with Todoist. It works in that area. Why am I not putting everything in ClickUp? Because I, I want to have a place that I can look at and go, okay, I'm in home mode now. This is my personal stuff. I want that stuff to stand out on its own. What better place to put it than in its own app? It'd be like, it's the equivalent of saying, I, this is the kitchen. This is where I eat. I should be putting things in the kitchen. Oh wait, no! All the plates are in the are are in the are in the den. Like, why would I? 
well, let's put everything in the kitchen because I spend a lot of time there. No, I want to have separate rooms for separate things because then my brain knows, oh, personal stuff, that's to do us. I don't have to search through ClickUp to find it all. I can go, that's where that stuff goes. Oh, uh, idea management, that's going on at Obsidian. Oh, what's in Evernote? I don't know, but I got to try to get it out of there and you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So yeah. again, we, I mean, that's why I stopped writing about tools, to be honest, and why I stopped doing, I will do videos about tools every so often. And inside my membership of time crafting trust, I will say, here's how you time craft in Todoist. Here's how you time craft in Notion. Here's how, um, but the tools change so rapidly yeah. and, and they, and, and I don't want to, I mean, when Francesco and I had this chat a long time ago, I, when he was, he was, he was about to be a father. And I said, you're going to have to really decide if you want to keep doubling down on this because now you're a dad or whether or not you want to go in a different direction. And I said, because when I wrote for the next web and for Cult of Mac, I had to chase apps all the time. Oh, uh, fantastic. Al updated. We got to write an update about it. Oh no, Evernote's, you know, now there's Evernote food and Evernote uh, hello and all these things. It was exhausting. And then when Jeremy Roberts and I wrote the book, Do Better with Asana, we told them we were doing this. This was a straw that broke the camel's back. We told them we were doing this. We had it all done with the old blue script. Like everything was customized to their colors. And within three weeks of releasing the book, they had changed all of the UI. They had changed their branding and everything. I've signed plenty of NDAs in my time, Danny. They could have told me, and they knew that too. And that was like kind of like, the, you know what? I'm out, I'm out. Cause it just, I'd rather focus on the approach and yeah. figuring out what apps can use that. And any good app can use the Eisenhower matrix, the, yeah. the, um, the getting things done methodology. Uh, I know that there's i that Tom talks about, um, time sector that Carl talks about, uh, time crafting, which I talk about. Any great tool can do this. Notion falls into that category. Obsidian does, um, any good one. And the ones that yeah. don't, I'm not going to spend any time with because, uh, chances are number one, they're free. <laughs> <laughs> yep. and doesn't have much function i think you should pay for your apps too i'm a big believer in because if you don't then microsoft and amazon and will. Uh, apple will make the app that you they'll say here's the apps you have and like but it doesn't have this too bad <laughs> we don't have time to develop that that's yep. the end of the day google too google google needs yeah. a to-do list google needs something better than google tasks i'm convinced at some point google will acquire somebody like toodle do remember the milk um yeah one of those tools because they need something a bit more robust microsoft doesn't really because they bought wonderlist and turned it into microsoft to do apple will probably just level up reminders continuously and transform it into something um and uh yeah so it's really what will google buy i thought google was yeah. gonna buy evernote i thought when chris o'neill was there i thought oh this is the step where it'll be evernote an alphabet company and i thought they were just gonna roll keep an evernote into one but they didn't so you know, sometimes you're wrong when you look at these things. Yeah, I was going to say, thank you for that. Um, we'll we'll uh, head on through some questions because sure. there's a couple of questions in chat. We'll do a bit of a, a quick fire. So what yeah. process did you get drafts? Uh, yeah, do you use to get drafts? Okay. So drafts has these things called actions and they have action groups, but they also have individual actions. And so you can download them from their action directory. Uh, the simplest way, honestly, for most people is to just copy to the clipboard and then paste them in there. But that's what you should start with. Um, if, if you're getting acquainted with it, they give you kind of a set thing to start with, but the actions directory, they actually have a Zettelkasten, uh, workflow. So you can actually have things turned into like, I want to move these to this particular place where, so this, what this does is it moves it to where my obsidian vault lives and then it's there and it's instant. Oh, love that. Uh, Todoist, 
it ha- you can ca- like it says move this to Todoist. ClickUp I haven't played with too much yet because ClickUp's architecture is a little bit different than say Todoist. It's closer mm-hmm. to what Asana has because ClickUp doesn't really have quote an inbox per se. So I have to figure out where that's going to go. It'll probably be where if I can get it to add a tag to it in uh, in ClickUp that way like I'll create an inbox tag or I'll create a to process tag or maybe it'll be a um, a completion status of like in progress then I can just look at those and have a, a view that I can do that but I haven't played with that yet but yeah it's literally in the bottom corner you're like where do I want to move this to I want to move this to here you have to customize it to fit your own needs but but you can do it you just go through some of the drafts documentation and the videos and it'll walk you through it it's a fantastic tool it's what like 4.99 a year or something like that wow uh it's ridiculously awesome i mean if you're an ios user it's in my dock like i keep it in my dock of both my ipad and my and my iphone because it's it's it is the tool i i mean i can write text messages in it i can write emails in it that's that's how powerful it is and the dictation engine in it by the way they found a way to um because in siri you only get a certain amount of time right like the apple dictation engine but drafts super um superseded it like over overrode it so you could go on and on and on and on and on that's how i wrote a lot of my how i write a lot of my blog posts how i write like parts of my book the 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 dictation engine just keeps going so you don't run out of time that's nice that is nice drafts is something that i don't haven't used <laughs> are you but you're are you do you have an iphone you, you do you have no, an iPhone? Android. yeah so you can't yeah that's the thing is again like it's it's ios and mac only so i'm stuck <laughs> oh gail's got another question about city i see it here on the screen so yeah yep do i keep my i i so i pay for obsidian I, I pay for obsidian sync um and i'm still so i actually have it stored right now on um on icloud uh because when the new mobile app gets released that's kind of how it's going to i imagine work for ios users um i could keep it in dropbox and then that would also sync but i haven't played enough with obsidian sync to know how well that will work i have heard through some people who have the mobile app already because it's in beta mm-hmm. I don't know if you do you have access to it danny nope. no i know some people who do <laughs> i i I, I am in I'm in the right conversations though. <laughs> okay. I know some people who do and they've said that it's um I think that it's really fast number 1 I've heard. Um and the syncing is done I uh, there's a whole way that it's done that it's better to keep it in iCloud for that purpose right now especially if you're on iOS. I don't know what it would be like for Windows or Android. But mm-hmm. I'm paying for the sync just so that way when it does happen I've got uh, I've got options, right? So right now it's in iCloud because um, I use it across multiple devices, and um, with uh, with um, with uh, drafts, I can send it to iCloud into a very specific folder inside of iCloud, and then that syncs it to the vault, right? Same thing with um, when I use the Markdown extension in Chrome when I find something. I can just drag it to the vault and it's listed as one of my shortcuts in the in in Mac on my iMac. I can just drag it there and boom, it's there instantly. Ugh. So so it, that was the thing again. Remember the aha moment I talked about at the top of the stream? That was an aha moment for me. I'm like, yep, that's why. Like the fact it can be downloaded, marked down, dragged over, done, and it's it's so lightning fast and um, it's 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 idiot proof to a degree. If you know a little yes. bit of what you're doing, that that was the thing that I I loved about it. 
So I, I'm curious, you, you said you got sync. Do you use Obsidian Publish at all? No, I do not use Obsidian okay. Publish at all. No, I, I, I know someone who does. Uh, I think I think Mike Schmitz uses it um, for, for some of the stuff he does. I don't really – I mean, I'm still a guy who goes to work. Like, I will write my blog post in drafts. I will then um, go to my uh, – actually, I write my blog post in drafts, but I also have this device right here, which is called the Free Write. That's where mm -hmm. I write, like, all of my um, – my deeper work and stuff because it syncs to Google drive. Um, I will then edit those in ginger cause I have a free ginger account and that takes care of all of the grammar issues. And then I will copy that paste it into WordPress and publish that. Well, I don't paste I, my assistant does that, but that's kind of how I write blog posts, both for medium and for, cause I have a daily blog post a daily blog on medium. And then I have my occasional blogging on productivity. We're going to be making some changes around that too. But yeah, that's uh, so. No, I don't use Obsidian Publish. That, that's what I thought. I just thought I'd, I'd ask anyway. And with with Obsidian, I am curious. Obviously, they don't have the what you see, what you get editor yet. No, developing it. Do you go between the two views, or do you just stick with the Markdown? I stick with the Markdown because I mean, I I've been again. I mean. I've been in Markdown for so long. I mean, I was going to Macworld back when, you know, it was still a thing. And I met Fletcher there, um, John, um, John Gruber. You know, I mean, uh, writing in Markdown was just a thing that Apple bloggers like Cult of Mac people did. Like, it was the thing we did. So I'm familiar enough with Markdown. The one thing I've always struggled with is images in Markdown. But mm -hmm. actually, Obsidian's helping me with that because I'm looking at things through the Markdown view. And Brett Terpstra wrote, like, I know Brett you know, we haven't talked in a long time, but I know Brett Terpster pretty well. He he wrote um, the app Marked and he wrote NV Alt, uh, which was like a notational velocity alternative, which is still quite popular. He actually has a, I don't, I don't think he maintains it anymore, but he had like an iText editors page where you could see all the text editors that would work on different uh, Apple facilitations um, or, or faculties or whatever. Uh, so yeah, Markdown for me, I can, I can read through the, between the lines for it. So that's how I, but I, I do like, I'm still experimenting with not only the views, but where I want the views to be in Obsidian. Cause I like that too. I mm -hmm. like being able to say, okay, I want this view. I want this pane over here and this pane over here. So I'm, I'm still very early in that journey because I was trying to figure out what to do. I'm like, should I use notion? Should I use Rome? Should I use, and each of them have their own strengths. Um, but at the end of the day, when I evaluate, I'm like, well, Obsidian just seems to be the one that speaks to me the most sensibly. Now the, this question, I'm, I'm really curious. I, I like my shortcuts, my keyboard shortcuts. And I've mentioned previously uh, about Vim, learning Vim mm -hmm. within the coding and programming world. Uh, do you manipulate it, many of the shortcuts that are in Obsidian and Vim if you use Not it? Not yet. Not yet. I mean, I've been somebody who... <laughs> so I own Keyboard Maestro for my Mac, and I can count probably on you know two hands how many times I've used it. I use Text Expander like crazy. So I will use macros, but I haven't mapped out things like keyboard. If I was, I have a feeling that if I was somebody who used keyboard maestro a lot, I would probably use the keyboard shortcuts of a city of more. Um, and I know there's a fundamental, there's a difference between the two for sure. But uh, again, as when I start playing with a tool, I don't dig in as deep as I used to right out of the gate, just because I don't have the the bandwidth or the time to, to, to dedicate that much time all at once. Um, 
what's interesting is, and actually it's pretty funny, is my kids are starting to become a bit more, in, my son is partic- particularly is getting more interested in what I'm doing, so I can kind of geek out with him in person too. Like the fact <laughs> I've got a multi-camera stuff. The fact I told him I was on a YouTube live stream day, he goes, you're on a live stream? Like, yeah, you can watch it here. So he might even be, wa- I don't think he's watching. Who am I kidding? But I mean, the point <laughs> is, is that um, he's giving me more time to do some of that stuff because, I mean, I was the one, he would, you know, especially during the, pandemic early stages i'm the one at home so Mm -hmm. it was very challenging to do all this stuff so with all the things i've got i dedicate a bit of time in fact i have thursday one of my daily themes is thursday's day which is training day and that's where i'll spend time doing that stuff that's where i'll say oh you know what i need to spend some time looking into obsidian or looking into you know um using these analog cards that jeff sheldon sent me from ugmunk or learning about the a10 mini a bit more so I dedicate that kind of time, but I'm, I'm not dug in as deeply as I would like yet because um, I know that I'm very predisposed to not only being the squirrel, but also being like the myopic guy who's going to go, okay, it's time to look at this. And then all of a sudden, four hours later, I'm like, oh, where'd the time go? So, <laughs> Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, ClickUp was the first application that I really saw with hotkeys with uh, pushing the H to go to home and the I and the Indians. Oh, that's pretty cool. And now an Obsidian, like, Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it'll, it'll be something that I definitely spend more time with because I am about efficiency for the... Again, my intention is to be more efficient. How am I going to pay attention to that? Well, keyboard shortcuts are going to be the ways to, to way to do that, but I haven't dug into it as deeply as I would like to yet, but it's on the it's on the, it's it's on on the the roadmap. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to those. Those are hard moments because, oh, yeah, it's so much fun. Now, now that I know it, because before, Vim was never a thing didn't mm-hmm. acknowledge it. I looked at it when I first saw Obsidian. I was like, what's that? Tried to use it. Couldn't get my head around it. So yep. one, like Brian explained it. So Brian Jenks, Obsidian channel. Yep. Um, I interviewed him three weeks ago, I think. So the stream's there. Um, if you want to have a look at his space, which is pretty cool. But he, he explained it to me. It's like, oh, okay. Like two days later, I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't work Obsidian without him now. <laughs> He's just so much quicker. Uh, but yeah. Uh, kind of relating to the keyboard argument as well, because I hated having to go into the arrow keys to go up and down. It was so annoying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because when I start using a new tool, it's more about populating it and then manipulating mm. it. And I think I'm still in that population phase, both for ClickUp and for Obsidian. Um, both at the so, same time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, I think, like, in Obsidian, or in, in, um, in Obsidian right now, I'm trying to get, all of the things that were in Evernote because I did download all the Evernote notes and it's not easy. So I'm probably, I've actually given my assistant access to my Evernote account and said, I want you to copy and paste notes in. Like, I want you to start doing that. Um, and they're probably just going to give them to me as files that I can bring in there because they don't know where those things are supposed to go. It's the same thing that happened when we moved everything out of Asana and Todoist because I did have some productivity and stuff in Todoist into ClickUp. We have this space that's called import and it's, I think it's got like five, 3,000 tasks in it. So there's a lot there. Um, and so the only person that can really go through that deeply is me. And that means... Uh, that that's the not just the population of it but also now the processing i guess that processing that we were talking about yeah yeah that that's a lot of tasks as well it is, notion, it is, notion it is. databases can handle that because i tested it <laughs> yeah well and and again and i know there's a question here what didn't i like about yeah. notion i did it didn't feel like it was the right fit for me to be honest i mean i didn't i think that 
first off, I, I still, and, and this could be my stubbornness, I still don't believe Notion is a great task manager. I believe that it can be a great place to house things. And I think what I was doing with it was I was saying, especially for video, because I started, I remember going to Thomas Frank's, because uh, Thomas and I have known each other for years, to his Vid Summit talk where he talked about his whole workflow. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to copy his Notion setup, which was probably a mistake because it was very robust. In fact, I would admit it, it was a mistake. But I saw what it could do, and then I started to play with it. I'm like, okay, this is, where, this is what I could use Notion for. And who knows? Maybe I will end up using Notion just for that. But I just didn't – there was something about it that didn't quite click with me. And I'm such a creature of habit when it comes to my task management and project management tools that need to do certain things without me having to necessarily create them. I don't need to reinvent the wheel that that's – that was a bit off-putting. Not that I'm saying that Notion couldn't do it. It's just I didn't want to have to do it. I wanted it to already be there. Um, so I'm not dis again. I'm not dismissing Notion out of hand. I have a video on my YouTube channel about my first two weeks with Notion, and I just felt that it was, um, it just wasn't a good fit. Uh, that may change. I mean, I can tell you that I was a big proponent of using. Um, uh, SaneBox, and I still love SaneBox, but there's certain things that SaneBox doesn't do well for me in certain tools, so I, I had to abandon it. Um, Asana, I mean, Todoist, I I'm a Todoist ambassador. Now I'm also a ClickUp ambassador. People are like, well, how could you be both? I'm like, because they do two things very differently, um, and, and some do it better than others. So, um, yes, you can time craft in Notion. Yes, I could leave my ideas in Notion, but I didn't want to move house completely. And I have, frankly, it's what's the, uh, what's the, I have, I have more important fish to fry than to say, <laughs> I'm going to move everything into one app when I can just add one more. I had to replace Evernote. Like that was the big thing. Like I know Evernote's, so I want to get things out of Evernote and I want to have a place for that to go. And at the end of the day, Obsidian seemed to, seems to me, and, and uh, the more I use it, the more I'm, I'm validated by this decision seems to be the place where that stuff should go. Um, could be the UI. Maybe that's what it is too. And I know you can manipulate the UI and Notion as well. But yeah, that's just how I felt about it. And th the great thing is, is, is that when it comes to productivity stuff, uh, there are so many different people out there and there's so many people with different voices. But that's the great thing. We can all, I mean, we can all, we can all get along, right? Like we all have our, our own voices, but some people resonate with me more than say a Michael Hyatt or a, or, or um, you know, or a, or a Francesco. And some people relate more to like Carl and Scott Friesen, who I know has also been in your live uh live uh, streams so yeah i mean i think that's ultimately what it boiled down to and to invest more time in it right now didn't make a whole lot of sense Polly. so i hope that hope that answers your question it may not be the entire you might be like yeah still you could still do it i'm sure i could i'm just choosing not to yeah and something that i've said I, I said previously when when working with a lot of notion clients is just because you can doesn't mean you should inside yep. of notion and that that was more towards all the different things you could do in Notion. Like uh, I'm not sure whether you're, you're aware, but I've made a, a pixel art in in, a, in Notion, and there are other creators that have made even bigger, useless things in Notion <laughs> because you can. But, but I think that there's play in there, which I think is really yeah. powerful. I think that you need to figure out what you can do in a tool, and then decide if it. Like again, that client that went all in on Notion. The reason she did is she was used to using wikis. And she said, this is a great tool for wikis. And I'm good. And then she goes, oh my goodness, this is like a staging area for the projects before I put them into Todoist. I'm like, absolutely. 
that's great. But if she was using Evernote already, she probably would have been doing that in Evernote. So yeah. it's like, well, I don't want to leave Evernote because I love the, I have one client, a great example. They love the OCR capabilities of Evernote where you can like type in a word and it's, there's no real, I think Devin think might be the only other one that does that to the same degree right now, but there's not a lot of tools. OneNote I don't think does this at this point where you can like type in a word and it recognizes it in the graphics. It's one of the key things that Evernote has going for it that people are still enamored with and he can't find a way out uh, or hasn't been able to necessarily find a way out yet. So, you know, again, it's when a tool, when you can, like if the, the, the fact you could do that in a tool is fantastic. You make pixel art, you can make your entire film schedule inside of Notion. And by the way, I do think that by spending more time in ClickUp, I will probably, if, I, if I'm looking at Notion again, because there are some similarities there I see definitely, I'd yeah. be like, oh, now that I've spent more time in ClickUp and I'm more comfortable with this UI, maybe Notion is the place where this can happen or where this can happen. But I don't know yet. And I'm not, I'm, again, it's the idea of choosing what to chase. And I'm not interested in ch chasing that right now. Yeah, I was going to say Asana is quite literally opposite side of spectrum to Notion. Notion is, here's loads of building blocks, essentially do yep. what you want with it. Asana is, this is what you can do full stop. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is time crafting. The reason I called it time crafting is my son and I were walking to school in the school one day and you're not supposed to ask your kids like, what are you learning at school? Because it's a very closed conversation. So I asked him about Minecraft and he said to me, well, Minecraft, because I didn't know enough about it. And he said, well, it's like you take these bare elements like stone and grass and all this stuff and you put them together and you make something amazing out of it. And I kept walking with him and I thought, well, with my work, I take calendars and to-do lists and all these things, and we make something. You craft your time. Uh, instead of crafting things that for out of mining, you craft them out of time. And so that's where time crafting came from. And to your point, Danny, Notion, the building blocks, and Polly mentioned it, it would lend itself to time crafting. So I, that's why when I make a video for my membership community about how to time craft inside of Notion, that's where I'll probably figure out, hey, you know what? There are some things in here that I really do want to explore some more. Um, but, you know, like you said, uh, it's it's about figuring out what you should do versus what you shouldn't. And, and most people don't think about that. They don't think about what they shouldn't do. They more or less think about what they should do. And then they dismiss the whole idea of like, you know, should I really be doing this right now? No, I shouldn't. In fact, a real quick story. I went skiing with my family two weeks ago. I hadn't skied since I was in grade eight. So we're talking over 30, 30 years ago. How and old is grade eight? Because obviously from the UK. Grade eight would be 14 years old. 14? Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm now 46 going on 47. So we're going over 30 years ago. And we have a hill that's three hours north of us uh, on the island, on Vancouver Island. I live in Victoria, BC. So there's a hill called Mount Washington. And my son had never skied. My daughter had skied on a few field trips. And my wife had not skied in a long time. Um. I'm going to be, I mean, we talked about sporting earlier. I'm not the most coordinated person on the planet. I'm not built. I mean, I've just never have been. I love watching sport, but I do not do so well with playing them. Um, so we, I went skiing mainly to get my, my family wanted to go. And I'm like, I'm going to give this another go. I'm going to give this another try and see if I actually want a downhill ski because it's three hours away. And maybe that's something we can do as a family. We took a private family lesson, all four of us. One hour, it was a two hour lesson. One hour in. My, my first off 15 minutes and my daughter was already downhill skiing other areas. So she was already good because she'd already done it. My wife and son, who's 10, um, they're, they're waiting for me at the bottom of the hill as I'm still trying to learn how to turn and do all this stuff. And I fall 
And the instructor comes and goes, oh, well, just try it again. I'm like, look, my family is clearly f markedly better than I am. Go with them. I'll keep trying what we're doing here. You go ahead. I don't want to hold them back. So they went and they kept going. I tried a couple more times and I swear every single time I went down the hill, someone's like, now it's way easier to learn when you're younger. I'm like, this is not helpful. I know it's probably way easier, not helpful. And so I go up, I'm going up this magic carpet, which is like this, it's almost like a, like a, a moving sidewalk that goes up the hill. And as I'm doing it the third time, I'm like, you know what? Nah, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I figured out that I don't like skiing. I'm not good at it. There are so many other things that I'd rather chase. I'd rather tackle. I'm going to stop. And I took off my skis, which I got. Actually, I was able to do on the first go, which I was surprised that I could even do that right. I went to the, I went to the, I'm walking around these massive ski boots, which I also did not like wearing. And I went to the, <laughs> one of the instructors and I said, where is the pub? Where is the pub that I can go to while I wait for my family to finish? Uh, it was not open because of COVID. So I just sat where we started with my skis off, making little snowmen for the next hour, marveling at the landscape. And my family got back like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm great. I'm absolutely great. You know why? Because I know I never want to do this again. You guys can come and do it. I'll snowshoe. I'll do something else. That was freeing. To figure out that I, I tried it, I didn't want to do it again. Now it's no longer an option. It's just something I won't do. And I think that that applies in so many things. And I think embracing the freedom of knowing that is so much more important than going, oh, I'm so mad I can't do this. And this is frustrating. And, uh, you know, I'm going to give it another go. Like once you realize you don't want to do it anymore and you can't do it or, or you just don't want to invest the time to get better at it. That is so much. If you look at it from the perspective of that is freeing. Yeah. And that's such a productive thing to figure out. You're in a much better place than the people who are keeping going, you know, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. If they have no intention of taking it to that next level, if it's just not something that they want to just, it's okay to not do something. It's okay to say, you know what? I'm not going to chase this anymore. Yeah. And I think, I think not having that, that bad connotation with being bad at something, just because you're bad at something doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Just mean maybe that's not what you want to do for whatever reason. You're not right. Right. And you can get better at many things. It's oh, just yeah. you have to decide where I mean, you know, it, there's this book by Dr. Henry Cloud called Necessary Endings. It's a really good book because he talks about things coming to an end. And he mentions the he uses the uh, the metaphor of a rose bush. So if you're trying to grow roses that are beautiful and bountiful, you are going to have to clip roses that are doing well so that the other ones can thrive. Otherwise, the bush is gonna look kind of mediocre. You're gonna be like, they'll never reach their full potential. So you have to be willing to end or cut off certain things so that you don't, so that the other things that you really wanna do, you can flourish. They will flower, they will bloom, they will blossom, all those flowery kind of words. That understanding that and getting that is really important. And the older you get, the more you have that knowledge, knowledge and experience intersect into wisdom, right? Like it be, that's what happens. And the more you have that perspective of, you know what? I know that I could keep doing this, but it's going to take away from this other thing. I'm going to stop doing this or I'm not going to do this right now. I think that's, that's, that's a lesson that we probably... I know I need to learn that a little bit more even today. Like, even though I have that perspective, I think we all need to pay attention to that because that's, that's an important signal for us to pay attention to.
Yeah, and I think that relates to to, to Pauli's question. And before before we go into that question, uh, I listened to Thomas Frank's uh, podcast in forum. Well, I say podcast. I watch it on YouTube because I prefer watching because I prefer the the visuals. If I can if I can find it on YouTube, I'll prefer to watch it than listen to it. Uh, and he said multiple times that even though he runs a productivity based channel, there are still loads of basic principles that he talks about that he just struggles doing himself. And I think quite recently he was saying that him, him being able to say, I'm interested in all this stuff, but I can't be an expert at all this stuff. I need to pick yep. one or two things to actually focus on. Uh, and and I think that's important. <laughs> to, yeah. Well, the Warren Buffett story, right. With a pilot, right. Like yeah. write down the 20 things you want to do and pick five and throw the other ones out, right? I think yep. that that's, I think that applies to so many things, apps that you want to check out, uh, different, I mean, platforms, think about it, social media, how many different social media platforms are there out there? There's YouTube, there's Facebook, there's Twitter, there's Instagram, there's Pinterest, there's LinkedIn. If you try to do all of those on your TikTok. own, TikTok, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, and then you have the, the, the things inside of Instagram, like reels or clubhouse clubhouse is a great example, right? Like oh, yeah. deciding okay, you know what? I want to be really good and give most, uh, give my attention to things like YouTube, like you're doing, right? You've leveled up your YouTube. I've noticed that you're doing more things regularly on YouTube and it's going to pay off. It's the same thing, like a podcast. Okay. I'm going to keep doing the podcast and I've seen my audience grow. Right. So, and, and the same thing can be said for not just social media platforms, but mediums that you share your content on. Look, like there's blogging, there's podcasting, there's videos, there's courses, there's all that stuff. You're gonna have lots of opportunities. And when I had Derek Sivers on my podcast, who I really admire, like he's saying like hell, it's either a hell yeah or a no. And I think that that when you start to realize that, that you can't give your full attention to all of these things, at the same time asynchronously, maybe you can say, I'm gonna double down on LinkedIn for a while and see how that goes. Cause remember there's LinkedIn video, there's LinkedIn live. Again, Instagram, you said TikTok, there's Instagram reels, right? So now there's that inside of there, right? So you just, you, you gotta, you gotta be okay with that. And once you start being okay with those things, you go from being okay to being more than okay. You get like, you get comfortable because you're like, you know what? I may not be great at, you know, Facebook live, but I'm darn good at LinkedIn Live. Or you know what? I I I'm not that great at podcasting, but I'm great at YouTube. And by the way, the other thing you can do if you again get perspective, you can go, you know what? Why don't I just take my podcasts and do them in video? And then I have them both. So then I'm at least giving feeding the YouTube beast what I need to feed it while I'm feeding the podcast. And I know some people absorb video more than audio, right? Like we could turn this into a podcast very easily right now. Like this could have been a podcast, right? Mm -hmm. So, so you, but you have to have that perspective to make that happen. And, and I think a lot of people run into the situation where they, they want to do all the things. And when you try to do all the things, you're not going to do many of them very well. Yeah. I, 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 can we address the question that popped up on the screen though, that you put up there for a bit? Paulie asked. Oh, yeah. So, Here's, here's the thing. And I, 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 in terms of help, first off, I didn't necessarily say, Hey, can someone teach me notion? I didn't do that. Um, and the reason I didn't do that is because I assessed that I didn't want to at that time. I'm like, you know what? I have other things that I really need to focus on right now. So I don't want to do this. This is, this is an example of what I was talking about. And, and when I'm ready, if I'm ready, if I decide down the line, like, you know what, I do want to lean into Notion a bit more. And like I said, I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to make a little mini course for my members. I will ask for help. But it the t 
the notion's not going anywhere. <laughs> like it's, I, I would hope not. Um, there, you if, know, it, I mean, if you did, a lot of people it, would struggle. Like a lot of people would freak out, right? But again, we've seen apps go away. Look at Wonderlist. Remember, Christian tried to buy back Wonderlist once Microsoft was gonna like he tried, and they like, nope, sorry. I mean, look at uh, there's so many. Um, I may have had a different experience if I asked for help, um, but I know that if I had done that at that time, and I'm at, by the way. Yvonne's helping me, helping me with ClickUp. I asked for help for that because I want to make that work. I've seen enough to go, you know what? This makes sense for me and my business right now. Um, so yes, I, uh, there is a person there, as you say, there's a perfectly capable person. There's perf perfectly capable persons. There's plenty of people out there trained to teach and willing to help. I wasn't willing to take the time to do that. I wanted to invest my time. My, my intention was to put my, resources elsewhere at that time. So again, I'm not, I want to be clear. I am not crapping on Notion. Um, I'm not, I mean, if, if there's a tool I'm going to crap on, it's probably going to be Evernote over Notion right now anyway, because Evernote has lost its way. Notion has not lost its way. Notion is still forging a path. In fact, I would argue that Notion has forged a path for others to follow. There would be no Rome Research, Obsidian, all of these tools that we're talking about if there wasn't Notion. But I would argue that there would probably be no notion if there wasn't Evernote mm -hmm. initially, right? So no, I mean, at this point in time, it just didn't make sense to me. You know, I made I made a decision, and when I'm ready, yeah, I'll ask for help. I ask for help all the time. I mean, I the reason I have this A10 Mini and all this setup, and you know, like I can go over here, and here I am, and look at me in this camera over here and stuff like that, is because I. There we go. Because I asked for help. I said, Steve Dotto, who runs Dotto Tech. I don't know if you know who he is, Danny, but he, I said, yep. Steve, Very familiar. I want to <laughs> yeah, set up things like this. How can I do it? And he was willing to help me. So yeah, I'm not, I, I just want to be clear that I made a choice and we all make choices and we make decisions. And when we make those decisions, it's important. Um, the term decide means to cut off, right? Like that, it's derived from Latin to cut off. When you make a decision, you're cutting off all other options. And I think that that's important because once you do that, then you can move forward in the other areas. Who knows? I may revisit Notion at some point, but not right now. Yeah, I, I, just, think... wanted, I just wanted to address that because I, I know, like we said earlier, there are people that are really hardcore into their apps. And I totally appreciate that because I know I'm, I'm, I've, I've gone down, I'm hardcore with my pens. I'm hardcore with a lot of my, I'm, you know, but, but it's not, it wasn't, it's nothing personal. I'm sure Notion's not taking it personally, um, no. but it was just something that I decided not to chase, not to pursue at this time. Yeah. And so I, I'm familiar with, uh, with Steve Dotto. I, oh. I, <laughs> I have his. And the question was related to my skiing trip and the teacher, by the way. Um, oh yeah, it might have been. <laughs> It was. I just noticed that. Sorry, Paulie, but that's good. I still reinforce. Same principle applies. Mm. Um, same principle. I just decided that it was not something I was enjoying, and the by the way, the instructor was fantastic. He got my son skiing. My son is not an outdoor. I, mean, I told you earlier. He was playing video games. It's hard to get him outside. Um, I was willing to accept the help. Uh, we did. We spent an hour. I just decided it wasn't something I enjoyed doing. And mm. what's great is when I realized that. <sighs> It just felt fantastic. So yeah, there would be, I mean, it, it was, again, it's, I think that you have to decide what you're willing to do and what you're willing not to do. And once you make that decision, whether, and there's certain things I would love to be able to, I would love to be able to uh, play sports better. I'd love to be able to play, I mean, play hockey. I'm a lefty playing baseball. When I was a kid, I would be an awesome left-handed pitcher because lefties are in demand. 
wasn't that yeah. great. Wasn't that great? Not that I didn't try, just wasn't that great. And I'm I realized where my I, it's that uh, I'm a pro wrestling fan as well. So when the when Dwayne the Rock Johnson says know your role, I'm like I know my role a little bit. I'm willing to explore beyond those horizons, but I'm not a skier. <laughs> Left. So one one. So my main sport was trampoline, uh, and my second mm. well. Football, being from England, football is just—it's just, just a sport that you just accept that you play. Yep. <laughs> um, but but trampoline was my main sport, and then handball, team handball, European sport, uh, was my other sport. It's yep. kind of like—I've I've explained it to people as like indoor football, <laughs> just with your hands. Yeah, it's, it looks a lot like lacrosse and hockey to a degree. Yeah, right? yeah, it really yeah, it, like. And the reason I know about it is because Kobe Bryant used to play it. Yep. in Europe, like he was a big player because he grew up part of his part of his life was spent in Italy, right? Anyway, sorry, didn't mean to cut you yeah, off. Yeah, amazing game, absolutely love the game. Um, but and and left-handed players were almost impossible to find. So handball isn't or wasn't still isn't really a very popular sport in the UK. Most of the teams that play are the majority like European, like Italian, French, German people mm -hmm. that are living in the UK, and then you get one or two British people. Right. You will never find a, a left-handed English person playing handball. Are you um, a lefty? No, no, unfortunately not. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, well, yeah. it depends on the perspective you have. As a lefty, there's lots of things like I can't cut anything. Where are the left-handed scissors? Right. <laughs> but it was it was one of those things that as as soon as you found a left-handed person that knew the rules of the game, yep. irrespective of whether they could throw or catch, if they were left-handed and they knew the rules, they were in the team. Yep. Well, and, and that's what happened with even baseball, right? Now, what's interesting is hockey, I shoot right. Now, when I saw, so I recently watched Lewis Howe's interview, Kobe Bryant, um, mm -hmm. uh, the anniversary. Of, I think Noah Kagan shared it on his YouTube channel, yeah. of all things. And I thought, you know, for all of the things that we've heard about Kobe Bryant that were not good, because there were some things that, he, you know, he was not good at, you know, he, he had some issues. Yeah. But the everyone does everyone does i mean some more than others and some are more drastic than others but nonetheless when i watched him uh lewis talk about because lewis plays handball for the american team the first thought i that i had was when i saw the footage of him like oh i'd like to try that see so that was the thing is i'm like because uh, i can't skate i've tried don't just decided that you know after trying it for years and years and years i'm like you know what? i well let me let me phrase that i can skate but not in a way that would allow me to do anything beyond like hanging out with my family skating right um and i rely on the boards to stop me a lot <laughs> secondly um but i do love i love playing floor hockey like street hockey and i'm like this is a huge thing that i would love to try now now what a limiting belief that would show up normally for me would be well mike you're 46 you're too old to start playing this thing no i'm not no i'm not not at all see but these are the things that show up in everybody's head right like this is something new what no i would love now in canada lacrosse is 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 the our national sport believe it or not it's not hockey it's lacrosse and i'm like if i could find a hand i would love to learn how to play and i would love to learn how to check out because i just watched some of the 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 throwing and all that stuff and as a lefty i know and to your point I know I'd be a uh, I'd be an, an asset to a degree, um, so we'll see. But it was one of those things that I did not. Again, back to the YouTube conference, I didn't expect to learn that about Kobe Bryant, and I didn't expect to see the footage of it. So learning it was one thing, and if I had read about it, I'd be like, "Oh, that sounds cool." But to see footage of a game, I'm like, "Oh, oh, I want to I want to look into this a bit more." That to me, that that w when you start to um, have systems in place and frameworks in place. 
you're like, you know what? There is a freedom that you have within that. Most people think, oh, well, you have a framework, use this app this way, so on and so forth. It's too restrictive. You've got too many constraints. But frameworks foster freedom because you know that there's something you can trust. So as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I literally picked up my phone and wrote and said, learn about handball in Canada and see where I can learn more about it and learn how to play. And I just blah, blah, rambled it, right? But it's there. And it went into Todoist. I moved it to Todoist, and it's still sitting there. Yeah, I haven't necessarily paid it too much attention, but you talking, me talking about it right now, probably will bring it back to my attention. But that's that's another thing is it's not just it doesn't tell you like the things that you don't necessarily want to do, but it 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 piques your curiosity. You know, like I now know that when I'm ready to learn about it, it's there waiting for me, and I can learn more about it when I choose to. And I'd be interested to see how that. But yeah, I hear it's big in Europe. Specific, yeah. maybe not, maybe not the Commonwealth countries so much, but definitely, definitely Europe. And uh, I'm, I'm assuming if Lewis House is on the American national team, there's got to be some kind of uh, they've got a lot of people to draw from too. So I'd be interested mm -hmm. to see how that would look in Canada because, I mean, I'm 46 years old, 47. I don't mind. I mean, I like I like playing sports. I'm a competitive person. I'm just. I'd like to find one that I could really lean and sink my teeth into. And that could be the one. Yeah. It's, I, I like it because like for me, I, I started playing when I was at uni uh, and it was such an easy way to, to release aggression. Cause you can literally throw the ball <laughs> as hard as you want at the goal. Like that's practice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. If, you're, if you're on the other side, just hug the person that's got the ball as tight as possible yeah. until three seconds are up. And then you just release them and then do it again uh, because it's, basically full contact uh, i found out so this week this past week my kids are on spring break and we went to a virtual uh golf course in town but they also had other sports and one of them was one of them was baseball and i decided to show off to my daughter and her boyfriend and my kids i'm like look i can throw strikes and i can throw as a lefty and it's there is that cachet of like oh you're a lefty and you're playing like there is that cachet that you mentioned right and I threw at about 46, 49 miles per hour, not kilometers. I'm like, oh, like as soon as I did that, I'm like, hmm. And th this was after I looked at the handball stuff. So again, it's yeah. there. Came back. I'm like, if I could throw, I wouldn't need to throw that consistently all the time or I'd have to work out because my, I could tell you my shoulder afterwards was kind of like, eh. But the fact that I, and by the way, I didn't just throw overhand that way. I was able to throw a sidearm that way. Like I, it was, it was hitting the right notes. I'm like. It, again, it built that confidence. We're like, you know what? When I want to explore this thing, not now I have evidence. I had faith that I'd be able to do it to a degree, right? Like faith that I could play that because I don't need to skate. I, I'm a lefty. That's helpful. But then when I threw it, there's now there's evidence. Hey, guess what? I can actually throw the ball pretty hard still. And now all I need to do is work up endurance and all that. Which, by the way, going for walks every day is helping too. So it it's it. There is there's whenever I I always look for signals um, and omens. Um, there's this uh, book, The Alchemist. Have you ever read The mm -hmm. Alchemist, Danny? You asked if I've read a book. No, I want, this is a book you. I think a lot of people should read. The idea. I, of I, omens, I know of it, and I have heard podcasts of people talking about it, so I know of it, but I haven't read it. They talk about omens, and you know, I think that there, when you see evidence of things and there's these signals, and again, if you're paying attention to them, you'll see them. It's like, okay, you know what? Something's telling me that. I'm not, I'm not necessarily a religious person, or I'm maybe a bit spiritual, but I, but I do pay attention to these things. I'm like, okay, I'm seeing this again and again and again. What does this mean? And yeah. that would be an example of what does this mean? Because that's where I want to explore. That's the kind of stuff I want to explore, right? Yeah.
Yeah, and it's 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 funny that you mentioned like throwing speed. So at my university, I was the only one that really understood the rules. Um, in the in the UK, there's only two levels of being a coach. So my mm-hmm. background is in coaching. I'm a level two handball coach. There's there's like seven in the UK, right. and the other and the other six work with a GB team. <laughs> I did, um, but yeah, uh, th- there's not many of them. Uh, and being being at the uni, going to the uni championships and the rest of it, a lot of people thought, oh yeah, throwing speed is everything. I'm like. It's a lot of it, but yeah. when you think about it, you have the D around the goal. If you can jump, which I can because trampoline was my other sport, I can jump pretty far. Mm-hmm. You're six meters away from goal. I can have a run and a jump and then throw it. I'm like one meter away from a keeper's face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and 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 I think that that the strategy of that is really important too. I think no, yeah. I, I recently talked about this in a workshop. I talked about pitchers in baseball. And I think this is important too. Fundamentals, right? Like a pitcher that's young, they need to learn how to throw strikes, but they throw hard, right? They throw hard. They try to, they need to control the strike zone. They need to control their pitches so they can control. But when they get older, like a guy like Zach Granicki, who pitches for the, uh, for the Astros, he doesn't throw really hard anymore because he's gotten older, but he can command the strike zone. He knows where to put the ball because even if he's not throwing, he, he's a guy, if you watch some YouTube videos, he's throwing balls at like 40 miles per hour. And, and the guy swung like <laughs> way ahead of it, or he's bewildered by the pitch. Like, what's this? It's because he's had enough experience with certain hitters and how to deal with certain, and situations too, right? Because there's a runner on first run, like situational awareness that he knows, okay, I can't throw 90 miles per hour or you know, anymore. Um, but I know how to command the strike zone. And I think that that's something as, you, again, that experience teaches you that you don't need to be the, the hardest or the fastest or the, but you, you know the game well enough and you know the situation well enough that you could just literally fool everyone, for lack of a better term, or manipulate the situation in a way that allows you to get the result that you want. And I think that happens, again, you talked about this earlier. It's not just in sport that this takes place. It takes place in a whole bunch of other areas as well. But there are lessons in sport that teach us that. Yeah. And it's it's funny. There was a there was a company, I cannot remember the name of them. Um, but when so a little bit of background, when I got into doing something online, uh, I went to my university. I was like, I don't know how anything in business works because my whole life has been sport. Like business is this foreign concept to me. Did nothing, never sold a thing or anything like that. Uh, and went to the entrepreneurship thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they basically said, your idea is pants. And I was like, okay, fine. Um, that, that's really helpful. Uh, and they guided me towards this company because they knew that I knew sport. Right. Uh, and this company was basically sports coaches or physios, strength and conditioning coaches, people that work in high-performance sport that have mm-hmm. gone, I don't want to work in sport anymore, but I know all of this stuff about high-performance. And they've right. moved to business. And they're now all executive coaches doing all this stuff. And it, it, it sort of made the connection in my head that even though a lot of the knowledge I know, learning how to learn, learning about pedagogy, psychology, law of attraction, sort of, and all of those things about how to learn and how to plan out, periodize programs, et cetera, sessions and the rest of it, it applies in life, in business, in, in just general work life. Mm-hmm. And there are so many trans, like, uh, what's the word? Transferable skills. Yeah. Across yeah. The main. So well, many of them. Think about football, like American football. They have a playbook. They have a playbook. That's where the term came from. It didn't come from like business world. Paul Brown, who again, as a Cincinnati Bengals fan, 
Uh, he was the guy who founded the Bengals. He had what was called a playbook, and he gave it to his players, and they had to study the playbook. Now we see things like the the you know the SEO playbook, the uh, you know the the social media playbook. That all comes from sport. Yeah. One of the most sports that people go, oh, it's such brutes and these guys don't know. No, you need to you need to understand that, that when you are playing a sport like that, you need to know where people are going and 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 all of that stuff. There's this there's this great book and I know you haven't read it uh, <laughs> by Bill Walsh, the late Bill Walsh called The Score Takes Care of Itself. And he talks about the fundamentals. He talks about building a culture. And and it's just there are so many lessons in sport. And we admire sports figures. We admire like the Michael Phelps and the and the David Robinsons and the and the you know the Wayne Gretzky's and and the and the Jamie Vardy's to a degree, depending on who you, depending on what you're what you're interested in. But the point is, is that they're because they're competing at such a high level, we want to know how do they get there. And then we shouldn't dismiss the fact. Well, I'm not an athlete, so I can't. No, there's lessons there. The the fundamentals matter. David Robinson talked about this on his podcast. He goes, he hated playing with guys that didn't know how to pass the ball, didn't know how to shoot the ball, didn't know how to guard, like all the fundamentals. He goes, they could do a 360 dunk. He goes, but if they couldn't pass the ball and they couldn't read defenses, he goes, that's all fundamentals. You need the fundamentals. And he his quote, which I actually wrote down in drafts, which I think is a, is a fantastic quote, was, and here it is right here, um, you can't be great unless you're great at the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yep, spot on. The the first thing that comes to mind is something called the relative age effect. Are you familiar with it? No, I'm not. So the relative age effect in a nutshell, <laughs> there are loads of things that apply to it. In a nutshell, basically says that the older you are mm -hmm. in the academic year, the better you are supposedly at the sport. So uh, in the UK, September is the beginning of the year. So someone born in September is supposed to be better than someone born in August. Is That's what uh, Malcolm Gladwell talked about in, um, was yeah. it in Outliers? Yeah, like Wayne Gretzky, yeah. the reason he's such a great hockey player is because his birthday was in January. So he was able to actually, even though he was in a different grade, than others, he was playing at a higher level because he was just that much older. Yeah. Yeah. And in inside the relative age effect there, it, it can work against some of those people as well, because those the individuals that grow up quicker, they just mature quicker. They rely on their strength and just their brute in sport anyway to get through things. Right. I mean, in the UK, you have the tall, the tall, big guy that can dribble with the football and no one can tackle him or in rugby. I'm sure everyone's seen the clip, the, mm -hmm. the guy that just bundles everyone over. He's great when he's young. Everyone suddenly levels out with that physicality. His fundamentals are flawed yeah, because yeah. he's so used to brute forcing his way through things. You should watch again. I mentioned Ted Lasso earlier. They talk about this this one guy who's a phenomenal scorer, and then they got the aging veteran who was a phenomenal scorer, but is now on his last legs, so to speak. And the reason, and he is still in the game. The reason he's still in the game: fundamentals. Fundamentals. He learned the you you adapt he's adapted his game to, and and it's that understanding of you know i'm this age there's younger guys coming up all the time how do i compete with them uh at this level because i can't compete with them the way that they are competing like i can't i'm not as fast i can't shoot the ball as hard i can't do this but i can read defenses better can i know what this guy's going to do because i've played against him you know four or five times a year like that kind of thing is I mean I look at Jamie Vardy as a striker. What is he? 33, 34? Yeah. And he came in the league late, right? And I'm like, the reason he's 
it's, it's funny very quickly so jamie vardy played for a local team like Sheff- I, I sheffield it. wednesday right Mm. Uh, well, before before oh, Sheffield okay. Wednesday, so before, so I think it was three seasons before he played in the Premier League. He played my local team. It was like seven leagues down. Okay, way way down. I remember watching him. So the so I was in the audience. There was like seven hundred people, and he was playing against like my local team. I was like, this guy is really good. <laughs> Four years later, he's playing in the Premier League. I was like, yeah, what he's, is- he wins the Golden Boot, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like so. So what's but what's interesting is that he knows where to go. He yeah. knows his role too. Like he knows, and but he's thirty. He's he's one of the oldest players in the. He's, he's on the older side in the league, right? Oh yeah. But yeah, For an he's still, player. yeah, and he's still playing at a high level. Like I mean, he hasn't scored recently. I mean, they, they've got other strikers that are. But he's he had three assists, I think, last game when they played. I think it was yeah. Sheffield actually. I think they played Sheffield. They won, or was it was maybe it was Brighton. I don't know. But they they won five nil. Yeah. Um. So it's in Ted Lasso. They, they go through – that's why I love the show so much because it does combine the elements of sport and then the elements of real life and this guy that's a fish out of water. Uh, it's just such a phenomenal story. But, yeah, to your point, I mean, we don't – there are so many lessons there that we should pay attention to. But often people dismiss it out of hand because, oh, it's sport. Or these football players, they don't know what they're doing. They're just – they just go out they play one day a week. No, they're, 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 they don't call it training or practice. They call it fitness. Right. Like what's their fitness at? Because you have to be fit to play that game. You have to be able to run like for out like what? 90 minutes minimum. That's that pitch is huge. Right. Like so I can I can appreciate that. 120. (laughs) And then rugby. Think about it that way. Or Aussie football. Like these guys are not wearing helmets. They're not wearing like they are. It's like they're real men. <laughs> but I also look at this from the. I mean, I again, I do pay attention to the world of professional wrestling because professional wrestling is there's an athletic component to it, but there's also a storytelling component to it. And these athletes are performing every day of the year. They don't have an off season. They don't have that, and they have to not only convey, uh, you know, their athletic prowess, but they also have to convey a character in that too so mm-hmm. they have to be a bad guy or a good guy so there's lessons in and again my maybe my comedic background lends me to this too is that i look at things and i go where is the time management or productivity lesson in this like where is that lesson and i think i used to i used to really not like that because i couldn't feel i felt like i couldn't relax and just enjoy something because i was always looking but now that i've done this long enough it's just innate like it's just there and i can say oh okay like a, a real quick example is about journaling which i know i said i would get back to um the new the new wandavision series on disney plus that just ended they talk about this uh this uh, paradox that white vision and vision have and sorry spoilers coming up for anyone who hasn't seen it and they talk about the ship of theseus paradox which is a philosophical paradox which is if the ship of theseus is in a museum and then they the the ship is constantly undergoing construction and changes because it's getting old is that still the ship of theseus because you're you know it's being changed and it's new boards are being added even though it looks like it is it's still the shape and at the end of the this this youtube video which they ta- i think it was from um wisecrack it was a, like how a philosopher would look at this he talked about Aristotle saying that, you know, the ship is really just a vessel. Like he looks at what he calls the the final cause of this thing. So the ship is a vessel. It doesn't matter. You know, that's what it looks like. That's that's its identity. And then Descartes was all about like, um, you know, it's about the uh, the shape. Like this is still the thing because the shape is still there. So, you know, that means it's OK. And I, I might be butchering that a bit. But John Locke talks about memory and how memory 
is the real kind of uh, determination of identity. So I was watching this video, a video about two fictional characters and some guy in a baseball cap talking philosophically on YouTube. And I realized the reason journaling is so powerful, especially for productivity, is it, may, is it keeps your memories alive. Yeah. And your memories are your identity. So you could look at your calendar, like you have your tasks on your calendar, right? And it would be very stoic, right? It'd be very like, it'd be the data, right? Like white vision has data. So like, oh, on this day, I did this. But if you looked at the journal entry for the day, you're like, you know, that task was really tough to accomplish. Or this thing was, that's the identity piece. So there's a reason people love Marcus Aurelius's meditations because it's his identity in there. It's not, it's not, it's, that's how, that's, that's Marcus Aurelius right there in there. And so when I, when I have those moments, I literally rip out this thing and I'm going, so there are lessons in things that we don't expect and they're all around us if we're paying attention and we're noticing them and then we capture them in the moment then we can reflect back on them and say you know what i wasn't journaling but i really should because that's going to keep my identity alive when i'm gone or it's going to be keeping my identity alive when i get when i get lost and i find i'm doing the wrong thing and i can look back at my journal and go oh this is where i'm supposed to be how did i get here oh here's the story and that's why you know again I don't use day one for the Mac anymore for this because it's Mac and iOS only. I'm now using an app called Reflection, which is for multiple platforms. And it has at the end of the month this, this anal, anal, uh, analyzing tool that says, what did you do during this month, et cetera, et cetera. And I know you can do that in Notion. And I know you can do it in Obsidian. Rome Research, it's how I was using it. I was kind of using it as a daily log. But this Reflection, this reflection app, which is made by the whole Steam Manifesto people, so I, I like their work. Um, the fact that now I watch that video, I realize that journaling helps me preserve my identity. And it's actually probably one of the most purest forms of myself means that I'm going to keep doing it at all. Like, this is the thing I'm going to keep doing, whether it's someone reads it at the end of my life or it doesn't matter because there's some things in there. I'm sure people shouldn't read while I'm still on this planet. <laughs> my wife probably should look <laughs> and my kids might want to turn tail every once. But, <laughs> but that lesson was taught to me in a eight minute YouTube video about my favorite Marvel character. Uh, and I did not expect to take that lesson away, but I paid attention and that's the lesson I took away. Yeah, you could. And, and I mean, this is one of the reasons that I, I like going on. I know YouTube, the rabbit hole is supposedly a bad thing, which it is if you're not supposed to be doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but there are, there are so many different things because YouTube is serving you things that you want to watch. That's, yeah, that's how the algorithm works. That, and most people don't realize that they're like, why am I seeing this thing? I'm like, well, YouTube does have its, its, its way of feeding you stuff that you may not think you want to watch. And that's what I love. Like I've watched some stuff that I'm like, why is this, why did YouTube show me this? It must have a reason. So I'm going to look at it. Then I decide, do I want to look at it now or later or not at all? Um, yeah. So Facebook is a bit different because <laughs> Facebook does the same thing, but the difference is, is with Facebook. Um, you don't get to shape it nearly as much as you do with YouTube. You don't get to shape that that uh, that experience as much because they don't want you to. Because yeah. that because again, you are the product in Facebook, right? Like whereas in YouTube, you're not so much social the dilemma. <laughs> <laughs> social dilemma, right there. Exactly. Uh, Jesus. Exactly. Uh, okay, we we are almost hitting two hours. Yep. Um, how, uh, are how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Oh yeah, I'm I'm feeling great. I mean, if you've got the time to carry on, then we can. Yeah, we can go on for a little bit more, sure. 
Okay. I don't know cool. how people how are people in the chat feeling. I don't know. There's a lot of people that are like, good night, good night, good night. I know that, that was all saying good night to Kim. Kim had to go. Nobody nobody knows you better than RSS. What's RRSS mean? That's what I'm Polly, can you clarify? Yeah, I'm is this I'm about ski, is this about notion and skiing again? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the, time flies. I've, I've said this to so many guests. Time flies when you're having a conversation. I was, I was not even thinking hour fifty. I was thinking like hour twenty. I, I feel like I'm always like half hour behind in my in my internal clock because I sort of I don't know minutes just go by. I, so. I, you know what's interesting is I f I was really good at telling time before I had an Apple Watch. And then when I got the watch, I lost that a little bit. I have, I don't know what it is, maybe spending so much time in this, I have a good sense of what time it is and when it is. It's it probably due to the fact I've spent a lot of time doing this. But I also know myself well enough, and this is all about like just knowing how much time you need to get into a groove. I mean, yeah, we've been talking for two hours. Um, there is a, uh, there's some kind of internal clock that I have that, got corrupted by the watch probably because again i was giving it the attention that it wanted and i couldn't customize it to the same degree like i like my phone just this is a quick thing that i did for my phone a long time ago the contacts that you know you want to hear from make custom uh ringtones for and custom vibrations too so my wife has a very as a custom vibration so if i'm sitting here and my phone vibrates a certain way I know it's my wife and my daughter has one too. No one else yeah. does. No one else does. So I can sit there and go, if that thing vibrates relentlessly, I'm like, I don't know who that is. But if I hear like the, you know, my, the, what is my life from George Harrison? That's, that's my wife. I'm like, okay, my wife's texting me. How, I've been sitting in a, in a coffee shop or a pub with my phone in my pocket and it, and I feel it. I'm like, oh, my wife's texting me right now. Like, how do you know it's your wife? I'm like, because you know, it's a custom vibration. How do you do that? And I show them how to do that. Um, those little things, that's a life hack. Those little things, yeah. those, they ma matter so much because then I can have a conversation with you or a conversation with anybody and know that the only thing that should be interrupting me is my wife or my daughter. And usually it's something important. And if it isn't, I can just say, hey, this is my wife or my kid. Oh, never mind. It's not important. If someone gets ticked off at that, then that sends me a signal too. Like, oh, come on, man. Like, I'm like, hey, listen, my wife and my daughter are very important to me. So if you have a problem with that, then we might have a problem, right? So, but if I did that for every single person, which, cause I do get a lot of texts, um, that would be a problem. So it's about mitigating, mitigating control over what you can't, like I, I talk about distraction, disruption, and diversion, right? That's the three D's. Distractions mm -hmm. are things that happen that you can mitigate. If my, if, if, if my phone was to start ringing right now, I could have mitigated that by turning my phone off or putting it on do not disturb or whatever. A, a, a disruption is if my son comes running into the room right now, despite my door being closed, that's a disruption. I can't stop him from doing that short of, you know, tying him up, which would be bad parenting. Right. <laughs> but both of those, but both of those things, distractions, disruptions can lead to diversion. Right. So once you're distracted, then it's like, okay, how do I, wait, what was I doing? Same thing with a disruption. That's when with time crafting, I have like these modes and these themes where it's like, okay, wait a minute, what day is it? Oh, it's Saturday, Saturday's family day. Okay, what family stuff should I do? Or, you know what? I don't know what I was doing, but I'm kind of tired. Okay, what are my low energy tasks? And I can get into there because what most people do when they get divert, when they get distracted or disrupted, they don't make that call. They say, uh, what was I doing? I don't know. 
email will tell me what to do or Facebook will tell me what to do. So I'm trying to direct my attention very clearly. And by doing that, that's actually given me a better relationship with time, which then allows, I believe has allowed me to go, okay, well, what time is it? And I can generally guess within a 10 to 15 minute span about what that time is. Sometimes I'm spot on and it freaks anybody out when I'm like spot on. But yeah, it, there's just something about having that relationship with time that helps you um, get better with, you know, making the best use of it. So I, I'm, I'm curious then, when when you hit a, a flow state of, of sorts in whether whether that's writing or speaking through words or you're in a, a YouTube rabbit hole or a podcast rabbit hole, whatever, uh, is, is that something that you mentally try and keep track of? Um, with a podcast, yes, um, because the podcast we have a 45 minute window. I used to, so I only record 30 minute podcast episodes in general. Um, and we normally spend about 10 minutes just shooting the breeze so I can get to know the person a bit better if I haven't talked to them before, um, or technical issues that might arise, especially now that we're going to be starting doing more video. Um, but I have a good sense of the cadence. I'm re cadence is, is something that I've really worked on over the past decade is just having a good rhythm and an understanding. Um, when it comes to writing, uh, I know that I can spend about two hours consistently doing it before my brain peters out and that it knows it tells me a signal. And normally the signal is either um, physical, like you've got to go to the bathroom now or it's mental and that my brain pays attention to something that it shouldn't pay attention to. So with this guy right here, this is all the free write does is write plain text on a screen. It's like a word processor and it syncs to either Google Drive or Evernote or Dropbox, but not Evernote for me. Uh, definitely Google Drive. And so not anymore. Not anymore. Um, and so nothing can distract me from that in fact you'll notice that this this little thing right here this is a desk so this folds down this black thing behind me so i can't be on this computer i can't be doing this right now if that desk is folded down because there's not enough space so i create these these environments and my brain has, because i'm fairly routine and i have this framework i have a good sense of things yes sometimes it, it and that's actually when I don't, it's because my routine's been disrupted. So this the, the this week and next week are going to be different because my kids are home. So it changes the way that I operate, but I try to keep things as, as standardized as I can in certain areas. So that way I know, okay, well, podcast is 45 minutes. Okay, we know that we do this. And I only record podcast interviews on Tuesday, right? Um, so that way when I wake up on Tuesday morning, oh, it's listening day. Listening day means I'm doing podcasts. What podcast am I doing? So I'm trying to – I try to give myself this really um, – consistent path to follow but it has to be sustainable too like i can't if i try to um that's why going for a walk is more powerful to me than going for a run because a walk um i can just go in what i'm wearing right now i can bring my phone i can do work if i want i can answer emails i can dictate stuff i can do all that stuff plus i can have phone conversations because forging relationships and nurturing them is important to me. Whereas for, with a, if I went for a run, there's so many p points of friction. Like, well, Mike, you have to put on your workout clothes and you have to get your playlist ready and you have to do this. Oh no. And now, you know, you don't want to run on pavement because that's bad for your knees, et cetera, et cetera. I know someone mentioned their knees in here about tennis and pickleball not too long ago. <laughs> um, but so I try to remove as much friction as possible 
Because when I do that, then I can be in flow. And then if my flow gets disrupted, it's not because I didn't do everything I could to keep the friction out of the way. It's because it's reached its natural endpoint. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, completely agree. And I've, I've mentioned that uh, a few times actually in, in the streams where I've been talking with other guests and something that comes up in my mind is auto-regulation, right? Th thinking about like judging your body, essentially yep. uh, applying that in uh, bodybuilding. They, some people do auto-regulation with their diet uh, when they're, when, once they've done a competition or just sort of listen to their body uh, and RPE rate of perceived exertion instead of a percentage based program in strength and conditioning is, is seen as a, an alternative way of, of essentially judging how much effort you put into a session right. and, op, and, and RPE when, when used appropriately is actually better than percentage-based training. Well, I'm a big believer in energy management over time management in a lot of ways, because time moves on whether you want it to or not. Yeah. Don't get I a mean, choice. I think things are things like attention, expectation, attention management, expectation management, energy. Those are things we have more command and control over because time, whether we want it to or not, like I said, it moves on. You know, that's why I don't like the term time management per se. I realize the need for it because it's mutually understood, but I'd rather ha I'd rather call it time leadership, right? Like you're leading time to where it wants to go uh, or where you want it to go because it's, it's a stream, right? And if you try to swim upstream against time, you're going to run into issues. So you need to tr try to, tr you know, navigate it. And that's why I like that. Again, I'm more concerned about, okay, I need to do some writing when is the best time for me to do it based on my energy, based on bandwidth? And then, okay, it's this time. Okay, how do I protect that? How do I make sure that, you know, like no one can book a podcast interview with me before one o'clock in the afternoon Pacific time. Nobody. And they only have until 4.30 because at 4.30 I get up and I go for my walk. Now, I also work later in the evening too because I'm a night owl, but that's when I do things like creative work and I'll, I'll, I'll do planning and, and, and the musing kind of stuff, the stuff that is more scatter focus, as Chris Bailey calls it, as opposed to hyper focus. And, and it's interesting because a lot of people think night owls do like their best creative, like they need to flip it. So their most important tasks happen later in the day and stuff. And that's, but that's not necessarily true. It's just everything shifted a bit, right? So everyone's, but everyone's a little bit different. So I think that if you start to focus on time as a measurement tool that's very objective, Hey, it's, you know, we started at 11 a.m. Pacific time, but for you, that would have been what, like 6 p.m.? Yeah, right. 6. Right. And by the way, there's a great example. You guys haven't done daylight savings time yet. You've got another another week after today before you're in the in the old standard time, right? We moved last week. So, so again, that just goes to show how objective time is, right, in certain areas. Um, whereas attention is subjective. Energy is subjective, right? Like you may require more attention to do this than I do, or you may require more energy to do this than I do, depending on the time of day, depending on, I mean, you know, it's, it's now what, 8 o'clock, a little after 8 o'clock where you yeah. are? Right. So some people are like, that's it, I'm tapping out, right? Whereas some people who are night owls are like... All right, giddy up, it's time to go, right? So those things we can control more. Um, those mm -hmm. things we should be working on more than, okay, how do I make the best use of my time at this time of day despite it not being the time that I really want to do it? But let's see if I can fit a square peg into a round hole. That, that, is, that is a battle that you are not going to win more often than you are going to lose. And when you lose it, then you're left feeling with this, you're, you're left with this feeling of helplessness perhaps even regret, shame, 
And that definitely doesn't put you in the right perspective or the right frame of mind to do the work and to do the things that you ultimately need and want to do. Completely agreed. Completely agreed. And I think because of my background in sport and energy being so important, because you can't play sport when you're tired. <laughs> no, no. And, and conversely, as a com guy who did comedy, it's not like we were doing comedy over breakfast. It was like evening, right? You go to the pub. I mean, no one, you were going to get way more laughs in a, in a, uh, in a pub at like 10 p.m. at night than you would at 10 a.m. in the morning. There'll be more people there, number one, but they'll also, no one's gonna, you know, pop a few pints at 10 a.m. in the morning, right? Well, I wouldn't say no one, but- I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, yeah let's, uh, let's be realistic here. But the point is, is that, so my brain eventually was wired to be up till one or two in the morning, right? And that's what it was. Now, I mean, as you get older, and Dr. Michael Bruce talks about this in his book, The Power of When, your circadian rhythms change, and, and there's nothing, I mean, you, again, that's not a battle you wanna fight either. I don't stay up till two in the morning and do my best work anymore, normally. Normally I'm done by like one. And normally my last thing I'm doing between 12 and one is writing in my journal, setting the table for the next day, et cetera, et cetera. Because I know, and by the way, I think no matter whether you're an early riser or a night owl, you should plan your day the night before. Because as a night owl, you don't want to get that shiny object syndrome first thing in the morning and get derailed. But as a morning person, you want to be able to hit the ground running. So I think planning your day the day before is always better than first thing in the morning. You can organize your day in the morning but you need to at least have something to work with so yeah I, I it it's interesting because again military people like i look at a guy like um uh you know um hal elrod would be an example robin Sharma, like these guys that get up 3 35 in the morning i'm not exactly gonna malign, I <laughs> i'm not gonna malign them for that but i have to say that that's not for everybody and by the mm. way i don't believe that they think it's for everybody either mm. i think that uh, and I would never say you should become a night owl. Like that's not a, I don't think that's the way, but if you are, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And then my, 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 one of my plights is to say, okay, you're a night owl. Here's how you can not only survive, but thrive in what's perceived as a nine to five world. And that's one of the things I'm taking on. I, I, I I'm known for that. So I'm going to, I'm going to be an ambassador for it. I'm going to be an advocate for it. And, uh, by doing that, it's not like I'm going to be, a, it's the same thing I mentioned with like Notion versus Obsidian and all these apps. I'm not going to, you know, attack those. I don't think that it's, it's, it's necessary, but I think it's important for people to know that if you're a night owl, you're not alone. And here's how I think, and I'm a productive person. So if I'm a productivity expert and I'm known for this stuff and people go, well, how does Mike do it? I think it's my responsibility to a degree to say, Hey, here's how I do it so that you can do the same or at least find your own way to do it and know know that it's okay. A lot of what we do, Danny, on these things is we basically um, give permission. We, yeah. you know what I mean? Like here, do this. Really, I can do that? Absolutely you can. And that's kind of what, I think that's one of the biggest mandates we can have. It's like give permission. And I mean, I know that sounds a bit like, you know, um, hierarchical, but it's true. Yeah. Like there's a permissiveness to it. Like you should do this. Oh, well I should, cause this person says so, or, you know, et cetera. I think that, that, that once you start leaning into that a bit more, once everybody starts to realize like most of this stuff is just like experimental, giving it a try and seeing if, again, that whole Bruce Lee thing I mentioned earlier, um, you're in, you're in a great position to really craft your time the way that is going to work the best for you. I mean, it comes back to what you were saying earlier about like being relatable and influencers are relatable, which is why when they experiment with things, people just jump on it. Like yep. Thomas, Thomas Frank and Ali Abdul both experimented with Notion. They use Notion. As soon as they put a Notion video up, everyone goes, oh, Notion, YouTuber, I'll do that. 
Yep. Or Matt Diavella talking about like, here's how Matt Diavella journals. I know he does. Yeah. Right. You know, but but the other interesting thing is, is we also get perspective on. I mean, and this is one of the things I struggled with for a while is imposter syndrome. Yeah. Uh, and I struggle with it. People like uh, some people are like, well, but you're a productivity guy. I'm like, yeah, but these other people are super like super successful with their businesses. They have more people that are following them, et cetera, et cetera. Who, who am I to be listening to? And then all of a sudden they realize, wait a minute, Thomas does not have kids. Matt Vella does not have kids. You know, uh, Ali does not have kids. Like there is something I have that they don't that that affects and has an impact on what I'm doing. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're like holding me back or whatever. And I know there's a question about like how I, I, I hang out with my family. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I could choose to either go, well, yeah, this is my lot in life. I've got kids. Oh, well, oh, well. Or I could say, well, hold on. There's going to be people out there that are the same as me. They're going to look at these videos and go, how am I going to do this when I've got like a newborn and twins and stuff like that? Or, or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a not, I'm not a solopreneur that works from home and uh, has, you know, um, I have control over my schedule. I work a nine to five job and I don't feel like I have as much control. That's the, the people, those are the people that I really am interested in talking to and helping because I've been there and I know that stuff and I'm there now. I mean, I've got a 16 year old and a 10 year old. So I do remember when I had a three year old and, a, or sorry, a five year old and, and, a, and a newborn. Like I remember that. So that's the way I look at it. So that's how I'm kind of fighting back imposter syndrome. And I also know it's a marathon, not a sprint. So if, you know, my son is like, dad, he looked at my YouTube uh, uh, followers and I have 4,200, I think, which by the way, is pretty impressive considering I haven't done much on the channel in a long time. I'm, I'm doing more. But he said, dad, you're like a bronze. I'm like, yeah, but I don't have any income coming in from there yet. And I know how YouTube income works and I'm not really worried about that. And he said, you got to get a silver button. I'm like, that's a hundred thousand, dude. He goes, you can do it. Look how many people listen to your podcast. I'm like, no, I like that perspective is like, you know what? Yeah. And it took me how many years to get to that level? I'm not in a hurry. I'm not in a hurry. Um, so yeah, why not, right? That's literally the YouTuber's story. So for it's it's funny how a lot of I, I, it's kind of if you're outside of the creator the creator community, I guess if you're not in those sort of conversations, it's very easy to suddenly see a channel and it's like, oh, they exploded. You're like, no, actually, no. they did all <laughs> of this work. I mean, so uh, Joey, I can't say his last name. The guy that runs Better Ideas YouTube channel. 1.2 million subs. Joey has a second channel that I watch. Right. And he recently got a question in this week's, like, Joey answers the show thing. It's very, very informal. Great second channel. Um, but someone asked, how has your channel managed to grow with only 64 videos? Because um, it's it's well, only he's been... the guy that Ali talks about, right? Like, Ali says he's only makes, like, one video a month or something like yeah, that? Similar. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, bold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I know. It's somewhat. I'm pretty sure it's the same person. But continue. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So, so Joey, better ideas, like bold guy. Um, and he was saying, yes, true. This channel only has what is it like 64 videos, and he's at 1.2 million. But he freelances video video creation, and what no one knows, like no one really knew, is he had made seven other YouTube channels that now don't long like no longer exist, don't don't do anything, and he'd made over like 300 videos on all of those channels. So he had about 10 years of experience making videos, yep. like figuring out what YouTube wants, what it doesn't want. So his channel essentially is exactly the same as Thomas Frank's channel, mm -hmm. except it's just under a different name. And he just it, focused. It, it, that's the thing too, is like the podcast, that question comes up about podcasting all the time too. It's like, how do you get more, how do you get more subscribers? I'm like, you just keep doing it. 
What? Yeah, I mean, I've been podcasting for, I mean, yes, we just have over, we have over 350 episodes of the Productivity's podcast. Before that, I did a podcast with Work Awesome. I also did a podcast called Mics on Mics. I have podcasted for about 10 years overall, I would say. And the reason is you publish week in, week out, you keep doing it, and you just keep doing it. And then, you know, something might hit, something might not. But you, if you're doing it for the vanity metrics initially, then and Seth Godin mentions this too. He goes, "What does he say?" He says, "Um, yeah, the money will come. Like that's when yeah. they like show up every day, and the money will come." Now, I mean, you have to do it. I think we hear about consistency a lot, and I mentioned earlier about sustainability too. That we don't hear enough enough about that. We hear about consistency, show up, but we you need to make it sustainable. Not yeah. you need to make sure that you're not burning yourself out. And this is where again it comes down to choice. Like. I'm going to focus on YouTube, which means I may not focus on blogging as much, or I'm going to batch like John Lee Dumas. I just interviewed him and he did, I mean, EO fire, um, no formerly known as entrepreneurs on fire. Um, he, he did daily podcasts, but he didn't do them every day. He record, he spent a day recording eight podcasts. So he would get one ahead and yeah. then another week. So after two months, he had another week's worth of podcasts. I have podcasts planned. I'm uh, as of this recording. We have podcasts recorded until August and planned until October. Now, that means I have the freedom to do more YouTube because I've put myself. Not, but I would never have gotten there if I didn't know what to do with the podcasting week in and week out. So you can you can you can do something sustainably and have things happen in tandem. But you, it, consistency without sustainability in mind is going to be a problem. That's why it's important to say, you know, I'm going to publish one video a week or one video a month or whatever, which is what, which is what he did. He's 64 videos, but man, I mean, those videos, they look amazing, right? And then you see guys like Casey Neistat who go daily vlogging for a while and then they stop. But Casey's got the luxury of being first or one of the first. So he's yeah. still got those people. And when he does a video, they're like, oh, good. Casey's back. This is great, right? And then his brother shows up and starts doing videos. And I just saw that recently yep. in the past couple of weeks. And his videos are very different than Casey's. Very oh, different. Yes. But, oh, yes. But he's piggybacking. I mean, he's not an idiot. Like Casey obviously has a huge following. Like he says, follow Van's stuff. Van's doing something different. So uh, I think that, again, consistency, sustainability, but also figuring out what you want to do. And don't, don't do your research, obviously. Do your analytics. But also, if you're not enjoying doing it, like if it becomes a chore, you really got to evaluate whether or not you really want to do it, right? Like, I mean, when I saw your argument video about keyboards, I'm like, this is cool. Like he's having fun. He's been, <laughs> this is probably a fun video for him to put together. And then I was like, how did he do it? Like, I have a feeling I, you know, but it was one of those things where I'm like, he's having fun. Danny's having fun. Um, Matthew McConaughey just fired up a channel. Yes, he's got massive following, but he's like, hey, I'm going to do YouTube. He does a three minute video, gets millions of views. Matt Cardona, who's a former, who's a pro wrestler known as Zack Ryder. He did his Z true Long Island stories. Same thing. Three minute videos on a flip camera. Remember the flip ones that used to plug into the side? Of, and he's like, he, he just kept doing it, showing up and he had a blast doing it and i think that you know you what did you say in the video about um you said something about like something about fun and productivity you said a quote that someone mentioned in the comments and i wish i could remember it right now but um forsaking fun for productivity or something like that you said something along those lines it was not necessarily yeah. as oh, are, you, are you talking about this in the sketch no you said it um i'll have to find it um fun first is the the thing that i typically go towards yeah but... yeah yeah yeah. You, there was a quote that someone quoted and it was like a top comment in one of your videos maybe somebody in the chat knows but but i think that when you do that 
you're going to be in a much better place. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, I think it's, it's the way to, to think about these kind of things for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Fun first is something that I, I try and follow. I mean, it's got me through some dark times in the past and it's just, mm -hmm. if you're not enjoying what you're doing, like, why are you doing it? <laughs> right. Right. Well, and, and, and again, when you're not enjoying it, you're fighting against it. Like you're doing it for mm. the sake of doing it. And that's not the best reason to do things. There's when I talk about need, then I don't like to say I have to do this or even I must do this. I say, what are the things that like, I look at things like I need to do this. Like I need to um, post to social media. And the reason I need to is because that's how people like, if I do that, then People will follow me and they'll, you know, I can get more, give more value to people, et cetera, et cetera. But there's this thing called Maslow's hierarchy of needs or hierarchy of needs, which I'm sure you've heard of, right? Yep. And I think that, that. Did an article on it. No, <laughs> no, no, no. But the idea is, is that you know, there's five levels, right? And I think that if you're not, I mean, there comes a certain point where obviously there's levels one through three, which are like level one is basic needs, level two, and you can go all the way to the top one. I think that when you're doing stuff like this, you really need to be hitting level four and level five, like the self-esteem stuff. If you're not, then you got to ask yourself, like, is this something that I need to be doing? If if it isn't and it's something you want to be doing, that's different, right? I think want and need are, are, there are some fundamental differences there. But if you can combine the things need and want together, then you're at that four and five. Oh, and, yeah. and I think that the when, once I, I, I haven't said this to anybody yet, but, but I mean, I felt it. When I set up this little rig here and where I can go like, you know, I can do this and oh, the camera died. Never mind. The battery died on that camera. I got to buy another power supply. Um, when I when I set these things up, the creative like I just felt like, OK, now I can dig more into YouTube. Now I, I have I've removed all the friction. The only friction is me. And now I just need to now I just need to spend some time and tomorrow's my planning day and I will plan out all this stuff. And I then set up a time for filmmaking, just filmmaking. And that's like, uh, that means I have to take away something, by the way, when I do yeah. that. Like, I can't just go, I can't make time, right? Okay, you have something. And I know we have questions too, so I want to make sure yeah. um, we get to I can't, uh, I can't remember the name of the guy, Essentialism. I can't remember that. Greg McEwen. He's, uh, do I have Greg coming up on my podcast? I think I do. But he's, he's, got a new book. he's got a new book coming out. So Yeah, he said saying yes to something is saying no to something else. Yeah, Patrick Grohn said that too. He said, saying yes is saying no to other things. And you're absolutely right. Der Derek Sivers, hell yeah or no. Yeah. I have that book He uh, and, and him and I chatted about it and I've talked to a bunch of other people and they've said, and not just people that, that are like influential or that I look to for, for advice, but also like people in my community have said, we want to see you more. Not just hear you, we want to see you more. And I'm like, okay. So again, there's this, there's this, responsibility to a degree but there's this it, it increases my desire to do it and i've said do you want me to do how to do you want me to do creative film stuff what do you want me to do and they're like all of it i'm like wow okay well that is somewhat helpful it at least tells me that you want to see more of me now i just have to make some decisions around it and what that looks like so yeah i'm i'm excited about it um i want to answer paulie's question though too because i know we we didn't uh, which one was that the oh. night owl, how do i manage family yeah. time um okay so first off, Danny, are you a more are you a night owl or are you a early riser? Are you in the middle? Night night owl, hundred percent. Like okay. Okay. four at four a.m. type. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So as a night owl, uh, 
basically I consider this to be like a second shift. So the reason, so I block out from eight 30 until one o'clock basically for work while my kids are at school. I, I actually, most days will until my son started riding his bike again, I would walk with one of my kids to close to their school and then continue my walk for an hour. And then, um, from, for basically on certain days of the week, my son gets home and my wife isn't home. My wife's an acupuncturist, so she has a job where she'll go and, you know, she'll do acupuncture on Tuesdays and Wednesdays in the afternoon. Mondays and Thursdays, she doesn't work in the afternoons. And so on those days, the only thing that happens is uh, after my son gets home at 3 o'clock, my day's done. So the time between 3 and 9 is family. And on Saturday and Sunday, so this is an exception to the rule. I'm making an exception here because normally on Saturday, it's my family day. So I would spend time with my family. Um, and that's what I would do. My son and I are going to make a stop motion an animation film. We're making one right now. We're going to continue doing that when we're done here today. We're making a Lego stop animation film. It takes an hour to make 22 seconds of, of I was going to say that they're uh, not quick. <laughs> but we're having a, t having a fun time. The thing is, is that we manage expectations. They, they're not in the schedule per se, Polly. So I don't say I'm scheduling time with my family. Saturday is family day. And the reason I call it family day is I need that intent. I need to know when I wake up in the morning, all my other days are themed. You don't have to theme every day. I do. Like I'm waking up Saturday. What am I doing today? I don't ask that question. I don't go, what am I going to do today? Because it's too big of a question. Instead, I say, what day is it? Well, that's an easy answer. It's Saturday or whatever day of the week it is. Okay. What does Saturday mean? Saturday means family. Okay. What family things are we going to do today? And that could be, we're going to make this movie. Family stuff could be chores that we need to do around the house to maintain things, grocery shopping, whatever. I know my wife and son went to get go get some donuts. So that, that, that like there's things, so we can map things. And what happens is, is when you do that often enough, um, like my son won't say to me, hey, dad, can we go and play uh, race cars today? He'll say, can we go and play race cars Saturday? Or can we go play race cars tonight? So I, do, I don't go to sleep at 2 a.m. Someone said, like, do I, do I, I normally, so second shift starts for me at around 10 o'clock when my wife calls it a night. I go to bed at one and I get up at about eight o'clock. So I will sleep from, I normally call it a night at around one and I get about seven, six, six and a half, seven hours of sleep. I will occasionally take a nap. Uh, during the day, depending on what my schedule looks like. I don't schedule the nap, but if I have room, I will normally take it between, you know, because when my son gets home, he normally wants to play with his friends a little bit online. So that might be where I take a half hour nap here or there. But I, I've, my body is wired to get six, six to seven hours of sleep. And that's kind of how I, you know, that's, that's the way I operate. So I hope that, that, I hope that answers the question. I don't, believe staying up till three or four in the morning is sustainable when you've got kids that need to be off and we do live in a nine to five world there's no question if i had my druthers i totally would but i'm also getting older so i know that my body clock is slightly shifting yeah i mean i my, my clock is quite literally all over the place and i i have the luxury of not having that many responsibilities outside of myself mm -hmm. i know that is a luxury so i mean some days i will go to bed at 11 or 12 like before, <laughs> yep. beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
And and I think it's important to have routine. Like my son thrives mm-hmm. on routine. So we will do dinner between like five thirty and six thirty, and we will do we have table nights and non table nights. We say this is we actually all decide as a family when is it going to be a table night, when is it not going to be a table night. My daughter has a part time job, so that plays a role. My wife again on Wednesdays and Tuesdays she generally works until six or seven or eight at night, so uh, so she can fill her client load there. So we have a a, a flow. I think that's mm-hmm. the thing is you have to get a flow. And then you have to figure out where, where either where you fit in the flow or where they fit in your flow. And, and it, I mean, I could tell you like during spring break, we had a conversation about like, Hey, Colton, I know you're home for these few days, but no, I have to work during these times. So let's make sure we do this and let's make sure we do that. So conversations are fine. Like you just have to make sure that it doesn't become, it becomes more of a conversation than a, than an edict, right? Like it has to be more of like, and when you, when you realize, and I mean, this took me a while when I realized that, you know, the reason I do what I do is so I can spend more time with my family and I have the freedom to do that. Um, not, it's not about like the, who, how many subscribers do I have or how much money can I make or whatever. It's more about the, like, you know, we can have time together. Then I make better choices around that. And so, yeah, like staying up till three, four in the morning is not an option if I want to be able to get up to go for a walk with my kids to school, because we can have a great conversation on that. And, you know, watching the Marvel series with them and things like that. So it, and again, my schedule will look different than somebody else's when it comes to this, but it's important once you have a framework in place. And as I said before, framework fosters freedom. So you can, you can work around it and figure out what, what's going to work for everybody and what's going to work for yourself. Because if I don't take care of myself, I can't, I can't take care of anybody else either. Yeah. Yeah, completely agreed. Completely agreed. Uh, I do want to put up Joe's question because he yes. hasn't got the question. Yeah. He hasn't got the question mark on the thing, which is why I put it up first because I typically no, forget. No, no, no. I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> okay, cool. So, and good evening to you, Joe. It is an evening for me. Is it evening for you now or is it still afternoon? For me, it's uh, only one thirty, so we've got lots of time. I don't know where Joe is. Joe, Joe, Joe is an evening, so he's probably in the same. same. Is Joe a night owl? I wonder if Joe is a night owl, depending on where he is. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with the with with the user with the user uh, icon in in the YouTube chat, but but maybe we'll find out. So um, yeah, we we did go over applications earlier. So Joe, feel free to rewind the stream. But obviously, we're gonna we can go through them a bit briefly. Uh, I, I, I would say that I use again, and I touched on this a bit. I think that it's better to use an app, and I'm a big believer in like an app that does one thing well, I'm going to use like, that's why I use reflection for journaling as opposed to obsidian or, or, or anything else, because it's specifically designed for journaling. So yeah. I will use an app like that for that. But when it comes to a uh, calendaring, I use front, uh, or no, sorry, I use woven woven for ca- calendaring. So woven is my calendar app of choice because it combines like the, the, the acuity scheduling and Calendly stuff. It combines the doodle stuff. Everything is in there and it's integrated with all my stuff. So I can actually use it that way. I use front for email front.app for email because it not only allows me to assign emails to people, which is great. So it keeps our click up a little bit cleaner, but it also has a, it's a, it's a hub for DMS for Facebook and Twitter. So I can respond to them directly from there as well. And we can actually even use it webhooks so it can become part of our website chat, which is what we're going to be doing when we do a website redesign. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer in using tools that do one thing really, really well, but I'm not opposed to using general tools. And, and again, like I said, I use Todoist for my personal productivity, like personal stuff and coaching clients, because when I'm working with coaching clients, if they use Todoist, we can have a shared project. 
but I use ClickUp for our team stuff because it just scales better and it's got far more utility for that. So yes, I separate apps definitely help me because again, it's a different mode. I'm now in work mode. I use ClickUp. I'm in personal mode. I use I use Todoist. I'm in journaling. It's time to go journal. And I don't track my habits in a to-do list app either. I use an app called Hindsight for that. And habits to me don't follow the same patterns as to-dos um, or tasks because I think they're more keystone or fun, they're fundamentals. Let's let's like go back to that fundamental. So I will track those in Hindsight. What I like about Hindsight is it tells me the last time I did something. So it's not, it doesn't like, I'm not, so if I haven't done my morning skin routine in three days, it'll tell me that. And then every time I do it, it adds an instance. So the clock starts running for the next time. So I get to see how long it's been since I've done something, which I think to me is more valuable than, okay, let me see how many days in a row I've done something. I'd rather see where, when did I last drop the ball or when did I drop the ball on this and how can I pick it up again? And hindsight, again, I think is iOS only, I'm afraid. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I, I have looked into applications there are it's it's one of those things in the app space that i don't quite understand i think uh, habit, i think habit tracking apps are going to be bigger going to get bigger and better i think it's one of the ones that's going to explode because i think habits you need to separate them from tasks because yeah. habits are i think perpetual to a degree um until until you they're locked in like i have write in journal i have go for a walk i have all those things in there because Without those things, I won't be able to do the things on my to-do list. I don't want to have those segmented. Yes, water. Now, now again, I could use WaterMinder on my phone as well, right? Like, you can go to the point, and I think quantified self stuff might be a bridge too far for me, right? Like, the idea of tracking to that degree. But I will say that um, I think certain, you can find that, I call this the Goldilocks factor, right? Like, it's if, if something is too narrow, like, you know, I can only use... Um, this tool for this very specific thing. Or if I'm saying today's daily theme is YouTube. Well, I might run out of YouTube things to do and then my brain's gonna just squirrel, go wherever it wants. That's too hard or too narrow. If it's too soft, so let's say I have a, this is my study and I say, oh, I can do, what can I do in my study? I can do lots of things in my study, Danny, lots of them, that's too <laughs> soft. So I need to find my just right. And again, that changes, right? So. To me, the habit tracking app Hindsight is right now my just right. Now, if I want to get more, uh, let's say I go to the doctor and they say, you need to drink more water. Like you need to, I'm like, okay, how do I pay attention to that? My intention is to drink more water. How am I going to pay attention to that? Is Hindsight enough? No, I need an app that's specifically for that. Okay, yeah. I will use that, right? That's, that's to me how you optimize. Uh, I don't optimize for optimizing sake. I optimize with intent because I need to pay attention to those things. And that's when I would use an app that's very specific for that sort of thing. Yeah, I've, I've used the, the toolbox analogy quite a lot um, because a, a builder going to a house is going to need one set of tools. A builder going to a, a mansion is going to need a completely different set of tools. And mm -hmm. that's essentially what we're doing. We're going into workspaces. I mean, some apps call them anyway. We go into our digital workspace, computer and laptop, and we're going to do this thing. So I need yep. these tools to do this thing. Yep. Yeah. And, and it works. I mean, again, you can hammer a nail in with a screwdriver, the butt end of a screwdriver. If you want, it's going to take you longer. It may not be as accurate. Uh, you may not get the results you want. You can do it, but wouldn't it be better to get a hammer and, or you could hammer, you could use a mallet that might take a bit longer, but a mallet might be more appropriate to, you know, tap in some other things like putting Ikea furniture together. So it, it's interesting because, um, 
eventually you figure out that you need a very specific tool and you might only you may only use it for a very specific instance but when you have it there that is that's amazing right like that is the key whereas in other instances you're like you know what i can get by with a pen and paper i can get by with that i can get by with this um it's knowing that and and the and by the way the people that can do that are craftsmen they're craftspeople the best ones can use the most uh, rudimentary tools and get results that look amazing or better than you would, but they can use amazing tools and get really great results for us. If you try to, if you try to use like the most advanced and Seth Godin and I talked about this in the podcast, yeah. he talked about having that, that planer that he used very specifically. Um, I know that when I first started using power tools, I was very afraid because I did not know how to use them very well. And that's the other thing, as I think what happens is people use apps, and they're like, okay, I can do all these things with this app. And then they're like, oh no, this is too powerful for me right now, yeah. but I'm stuck. I don't have a, you know, I, so it's very fascinating because your, 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 uh, your metaphor is apt. It's, it's like, we have tools. You can add more toolkit tools to your toolkit. You can replace tools over time, but know that your toolkit is just not a, uh, it's not a Swiss army knife. It's several tools. And you've got to have that toolbox because that toolbox over time it's more personalized for your needs and it's not just the generic thing that comes in a toolbox that you get when you first start doing things yeah and the the reason that the the, the toolbox comes to mind is i, I think well, i don't know my dad anyway has a shed of old tools and it's got like his dad's tools in it and his dad's dad's tools and you're just like well they're all hammers they're all literally doing the same thing <laughs> like they've aged so many years but they all do the same thing and they it still works. Right. Um, but, but what's interesting too, is that remember, uh, older tools, like, uh, you know, they last longer. Remember how things are like, I mean, I, you know, people buy things, furniture from like, um, Tesco or from, I think Tesco sells furniture. Don't they do they? I don't know. Some big Tesco's do, yeah, but yeah, yeah, not, yeah. not that much. Yeah. I mean, but, but you can go to like Ikea, like that furniture is cheaper but it won't last as long. Whereas if you get like a really expensive piece of furniture, it's going to last a lot longer. Sometimes it's important to save up a bit of money and buy the tool. That's like this A10 mini pro. It's going to do a great job for me. It's going to last a year. And the, I love my iMac. It's seven years old. Now I'm going to use it until it doesn't work anymore. So that's the other reason why like an app like Evernote, the reason people, it worked, it's steady for the most part people, but then you got a tool like notion or these other ones that come along. Like, you know what? This thing is nuanced and niched in a way that makes more sense for me now. I'll make that move. It, but you have to learn how to use the tool now. You got to move things over. So it makes so that in and of itself can be uh, an, an experience that you need to take into account when you're starting to you know layer more tools in or add more tools to the mix or replace tools that may no longer be effective for you. Yeah, and I think when it comes to new tools as well, just in general. I mean, the the no code app space or low code space or whatever, whatever space you call it, uh, there's there's things that people don't know they need to know going in there. When, when you go from paper into a digital world, there is a, a transition of things you need to suddenly know. Mm-hmm. You go into a no code app space. For people familiar with applications, you know the three dot menu is going to have other stuff. Yep. And you know there's going to be a sidebar and you know there's going to be some settings cog somewhere yeah if you're not familiar with that what you also know what to look for you also know what to look for too like there's nothing worse than when someone says 
Um, yeah, so uh, I got this new app because I was told it was going to make me more productive. I'm like, well, what are you doing right now? Oh, I just put things on a list. I'm like, okay. So, you know, first off, and I do this a lot, is I will show people you need to be able to do, this is specific for to-do list applications, let me be abundantly clear. And actually you could use it like Ryan Holiday talks about a commonplace books. And I actually have a, can't see it here, but I've got an index card. You need to be able to can, replicate I'll for the most. Second. There you go. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. So right there, that's, that's my commonplace box. Um, so you need to be able to replicate what, uh, or at least be able to um, consider replicating what you can do in a in, on paper in a digital tool and vice versa. So whenever I teach somebody to do a to-do list, I call it the AM list. And they're like, what's that? I'm like, well, it's things that it's like, it's, it's action and mode. So you should be able to put on that list, the list of actions, that's one column. And then M should be the mode. Like what mode do you need to be to do this? And they're like, why do I need that? I'm like, well, first off, it gives you a way to filter your to-do list. So you can, if the mode is like a five minute mode, you have this 20, um, you know, item list. If you can look at the modes, you're all of a sudden grouping your tasks by these different modes. And I help people figure out what might, modes might be best for them. But then here's the thing, is you could take that and put it into a tool like OmniFocus, Things, Asana, Todoist, any of them, because you just use labels as modes, right? Or use custom fields as modes or whatever. But then if that app goes away, you're like, oh no, now what do I do? You should be able to move it to paper temporarily, or you should be able to say, you know what? I don't have my tool with me right now, but I'm gonna write it down on a note and I'm gonna put A, column m column and i'm gonna do a big brain dump because i either don't want to be connected or can't be and then all of a sudden when you're ready to move it the friction of moving it is that much uh it's far less um taxing on you and so i'm a big believer in hybrid solutions like analog and digital and there's clearly a rise in, in analog tools i mean look at the bullet journal look at i mean i actually have right here like this is the analog um uh kit from Jeff from Ugmonk. You probably can't see it too well because it's not right to the screen. There we go. So this is his, uh, it's, yeah. it's kind of out of focus, but the point is, is that analog tools, um, they're, they're not going away and paper is a piece of technology and you can manipulate it as you see fit. So you should be able to by and large, and that's why, I, I mean, when you look at Obsidian and there's mind mapping options and all that stuff, you should be able to look at it and go, oh, this, I can replicate this here and here. And I think that's, there is some power there that often gets undervalued and underappreciated. So that, that if I look at a tool and it can't do that for me in a, in a frictionless manner, or if I can't manipulate it as quickly as I would like, I'm like, okay, well, if I can't do this with paper, then why am I going to do this on, on digitally? I need to be able to move between the two just, just in case. And I think, I think that's an interesting point to make, especially with like the, the time we're in. Like a lot of people have been reliant on whatever their business was and going to and from like being physically able to move and travel, et cetera. Yep. If the internet goes down for whatever reason, you lose internet connection, your computer breaks, hardware explodes or something happens, where's your backup? If you're reliant on a feature for your whole system to work and that feature goes for whatever reason, and most people don't know how, upside down. And most people, like you said, they don't know how it works. There's this movie called Sex Tape by with Jason Segel and Cameron Diaz, and they made this tape that they didn't want to put out there, but it was connected to the cloud because that's where it got saved. And oh no, how does the cloud work? Like no one, I mean, they had to go try to find out where the cloud was and all that stuff. And it, of course, if you watch the movie, you're like, well, that's not really where the cloud is. But anyway, the point is, is that most people, number one, they don't know how it works. Secondly, um, if they do. 
even when it does when it does happen they get ticked off they're like what the hell this is supposed to be reliable i'm like things happen you know we are asking a lot of the cloud these days and i mean if and what is it if if an aws or is server goes down or um you know and we know that certain it can affect elements of the web across the board like multiple sites that are completely unrelated shut down and you're like wait a minute i can't like didn't instagram go down the other day for a little bit i think it did yeah I like, mean, what google went down what was it a couple of months ago because john and i we mentioned on the podcast imagine if google went down that next day google went down for like two hours <laughs> yeah and torin mentions in the chat notion cough that's one of the reasons i went to obsidian obsidian <laughs> is it's local like i have all my files locally right so i think that that to me um having that understanding because you want to hold on to this stuff to a degree right like i mean you're capturing things you don't want it just to disappear into the ether and if you don't understand it um and complaining isn't going to solve the problem right like i mean yeah. but you should be able to go okay you know what i don't know what i need to do today because my uh, click ups down right now or whatever i'm just going to take this sheet of paper if you just write down your list sequentially that might be enough but it might not you might need to say okay you know what i i want to know what what type of mode i need to be in to do this I need to work effectively while I'm doing this, while the technology is down or, and then by the way, when that happens and you do, then you're like, oh, you know, it was kind of nice not to be connected to the internet for a while. Maybe I can do this when I want to do some deep work. Wouldn't it be great? I have a day Wednesday called deep work day. It would be absolutely. And I'm going to get there where I'm like, you know what? I don't log on on Wednesdays. I just don't log on. Like what's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? I don't know. Or I now see that's the thing is so I start big and I'm like, well, I might need to like, what if this happens? So what if I didn't log on for this long? Like, you know what I mean? So again, finding that just right. But that would be freeing. And then just being able to say, you know, I'm going to look at this card. I'm going to look at my daily driver, which is my daily planning tool that I use and go, what does this what does this day look like? I planned it the night before. Here's what I'm going to do. Now I'm going to log on. Oh, here's some stuff that I need to do that that digitally has been sent my way. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, I know a lot of people have done like the 30-day no social media or no tech, blah, blah, challenges. I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, but I think it's Bill Gates. It's either Elon Musk or Bill Gates. can't remember which one. I think it's Bill Gates. Uh, does like a week in a in a yep. hut somewhere, uh, just completely de deconnects. But he has a focus for that time. It's yes, not yes. a, you have I'm to just going to randomly disconnect. Yeah, you have to have intent. And I don't. I mean, I believe everything in moderation is still a good motto to go by. So I would, I don't think I would ever go on a social media fast um, because my intent is th there are some value in those tools. When I talked to Cal Newport about his book, Digital Minimal Minimalism, a couple of years ago, I said, the way I share things on Facebook is I open up, if I find something on my phone, I swipe up and I hit the, uh, I hit the extension thing and I hit Facebook and I share it via Facebook and I close it. And guess what? I never saw the newsfeed never saw the newsfeed so i'm still sharing things that i think are really cool to share but i'm not getting sucked in so i don't think that that i mean i think that that you know it's the same thing with things like um dry january or things like that i think that that i would much rather do things in moderation um and make it work that way than then try to do things like the high intensity exercise no you know what going for a walk twice a day is going to get me my 11 to twelve thousand steps then I'll, I'll establish that habit and then see if I need to add anything else. I think that, but you have to have productivity again to, is what, what is my intention? Okay. How am I going to pay attention to that? If you take a week, if you 
say I'm gonna you know take a week off of social media and you have no intention, then what you've done with your like attention without intention is aimless. It's directionless. Intention without attention is powerless, right? You need them together. You need to put them together. And when you do that, that's when you get that's when you can really forge the future that you want. Because you now are taking command of the ship. You know, you, you're going to have to deal with some, some you know, um, some rough seas, but you can still navigate things, right? And I think that that's the thing. The, the piece that people meet, meet, miss is they either have all these intentions and no way to pay attention to them, or they let their attention go wherever it wants to go, and they have no intention behind it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's obviously I've mentioned squirrel moments a lot because – everyone's brain does does go off uh, and the way I, I manage it is i i write it down i note it down it's somewhere yep. um and then i can intentionally do something with it afterwards sometimes i do focus a little bit forward and like, actually that's a really good idea i should probably focus on that a little bit now um but it, it, it's doing something with it rather than just it being this thing that goes oh, okay that's nice and then it just disappears yeah, process, process first, product second, right? Like Austin Kleon talks about, like it's the process. The process is, we're, I mean, the only time, I mean, I hate to break it to people, but we're never going to get it all done. We're never going to get it all done because we're natural, humans are natural explorers. We want, we're achievers. Some have higher aspirations than others and some have, you know, that's fine. But if you have that understanding, then it's like, okay, I've, I'm not going to get it all done. What do I really want to get done? What do I really, okay, how am I going to make sustainable, consistent effort to make that happen? How am I going to give that attention consistently? What are my intentions? I'm also not a big believer in the whole like no goals strategies that I've heard about. I think goals are important. I think working on too many goals all at once is detrimental because again, then your attention is split. But I think goals are important because that's what we're striving for. But by the same token, when you finish something, like when this stream is done, you'll say, Mike, I got that video done. It's up. My goal was to get that done. How long is the euphoric feeling of completion going to last for you, Danny? For this, it may only last, you know, 30 minutes. For if it's a big monumental thing like writing a book, it could last for two weeks. But you know what? It will fade. It will fade. And so knowing that. I think that that's, that's an important lesson. That's something important to pay attention to because it's the process that gives us the, the, the feeling of like, I'm making progress. I'm doing these things. I'm making it happen. And there's nothing worse than doing that and going, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I'm doing things I don't want to do. This sucks. Like that, that, that's the, that's, that's a problem that I think we really need to kind of work towards. And frankly, as much as the pandemic has been problematic in so many ways, the pandemic has also forced a pause in so many other ways that people are reflecting more on this go you know what we took these things for granted i'm gonna travel more i'm gonna spend you know i didn't you know i didn't spend enough time with my family and now i'm having a blast spending time with them if that's how you're feeling or whatever and the world is going to change after this it has changed and it's not going to go back to the way it was elements will return but we've had a chance to slow down a bit and there's been lessons that we've learned through that i know i have and i'm sure you have too Oh yeah, definitely. And my my brain moment there was: Have you seen the way of the way of a warrior? Is that I think the film? Oh, the way of the peaceful warrior. Yeah, I actually own the, yeah. I actually own the book. Yeah, Dan Dan Millman's story. Yep, yep. Yeah, obviously it came from a book. Just for the record, it came from a book first, Danny. So yeah, yeah I know, I know. <laughs> Well, I mean, Kim, Kim's not in chat anymore, but Kim is a massive Harry Potter fan. Mm. Um, 
and she doesn't like the the films because she's like a, a book book. Normally, Wait. normally the books are better. I know in, in in some instances that aren't the the book and the the film are different. But yeah, I have I've seen the film. Nick Nolte, I think, is plays the plays the. Uh, the prophet so to speak right yeah. so yeah it's it, but go ahead you were gonna say yeah i was gonna say it just reminds me of the the going up the mountain like to, to get a rock <laughs> you're just like that that's literally what it is mm -hmm. because that that one moment of satisfaction is is not great which is why a lot of the, the the pro athletes i mean michael phelps is a perfect example he got a gold medal okay i'm gonna get the next one i'm gonna get the next one i'm gonna get the next because he just he enjoyed what he did and he just wanted to keep going yeah, and, and and David Robinson, the pro. I mean, I mean, the guy who I mentioned earlier on, like he's now founded the Carver Academy. He's doing school stuff. He's getting involved in venture capitalism. His his NBA career ended with winning a championship. He went out and he was still performing at a high level, and he realized this is now it. I'm done here. Let me move on to the next. And by the way, he mentions in this podcast, and, and if you, I mean, I recommend this. It's a, it's a limited series podcast called The Fundamentals, and he's interviewed by his son. Him and his son have the conversation. That's why it's called The Fundamentals by David Robinson's, because his son is David Robinson Jr. And he talks about like the opportunity cost of him spending his time as a pro athlete, like missing his kids growing up to a degree. And so now he's like, I'm now going to give my attention to my kids more than I ever did before because there were some moments and you can't do everything that you want to do all the time. David Allen says, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And it frustrates me to no end when people try to do everything all the time when they, because when you try to do that, you wind up doing a whole lot of nothing. It's the same, it's the same idea of saying, I want to make something that's good for everybody. Well, if you try to make things for everyone, then you're making things for no one, right? You've got to try to say, okay, well, what's the intent? What's the intent behind this? If I want to make things that are great for comic book people, then I'm going to make a video very specific about that. I'm not going to make, you know, and some people won't watch it. We've just talked for almost three hours at this point. There are mm. people that are going to, and we know how they out, you know, we know how YouTube videos work. There's going to be like this big thing at the beginning. There's going to be a drop off. Who knows over the lifespan of this video, what people, whatever you do, whatever I do, people are going to come back to this thing or they're not. We can't control that. All we can do is say, you know what? We're having a great conversation. Let's keep it going. Let's talk about this stuff. And whatever happens, happens. Like, I, I, again, putting that fun back into it, putting the the joy into the work that we do, into the things that we do, because people can tell. I mean, talking about the same thing for close to three hours is only possible if you really enjoy what you're talking about, right? So I, I think that um, ultimately at the end at the end of the day, uh, product the tools matter to help you execute the things that matter. And if yeah. they don't, then you're putting the emphasis on the wrong syllabla, right? You're putting the <laughs> emphasis on the wrong thing. The tools, yeah. the tools on their own. Uh, Merlin Mann said this once, no one buys a ch comfortable chair to, uh, to run a marathon, right? Like mm -hmm. it's not that, uh, and those may seem diametrically opposed or, or a bit of an incongruency there. But the thing is, is that if you want to go somewhere, it's important to have the approach down first, then the application second. And again, if you want to figure out what that is, what's your intention? How are you going to pay attention to it? I think the tools are great. I think that, uh, you know, the way you teach people is a really interesting thing, because if your intention is to show people about productivity, how are you going to pay attention? I'm going to make great YouTube videos. Um, I think that 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 we have to spend more time thoughtfully approaching this stuff 
being more mindful about it as opposed to just checking off boxes for, for, for the sake of that. Um, one of the mantras I've said before, stop doing productive, start being productive. And I think that, that if you spend more time doing productive, then you're going to find out that you don't get to where you really want to go and who you really want to be. If you start being productive, then that's when the world really opens up for you. Oh yeah. And it, so, something you mentioned there with, with the, the algorithm and things and learning just came to mind um and and flashcards mm -hmm. <laughs> flashcards space repetitions learning uh so like i mentioned earlier i was researching plain language because plain language in learning things is so frustrating and i feel like a lot of expert creators in whatever it is that they're, they're trying to help with and teach the how-to videos are there there's a language that they use that is it's their jargon as a beginner you're like what are you talking about yeah. in academics it's rife um, which is why I left it. Uh, and I'm, I'm watching so many programming coding videos. I'm like, I don't know half the words you're saying. I have to, I have to YouTube a video to explain a video that is meant to be teaching me the thing I want to learn. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, and the same thing happens with philosophy and stuff like that. Like, I mean, again, that vision thing I mentioned earlier, I probably could have looked all that up through Aristotle and Descartes and, and Locke, but I'm like, that video was the way it connected. And that's your, where it's about making connections. And then through those connections, people accept the the permissions, the the teachings, the trainings in a more um, open and accessible way. They feel like they can do it, and and that's what you want to do. You want to feel like you can do it because when you feel like you can do it, then you're going to have a greater chance of making it happen. When you don't feel like you can do it, and this was touched on earlier, don't feel like I can go skiing. I'm going to have a harder time skiing. Um, and believe me, the advice that people were giving me going down the hill, like it's way easier to learn when you're younger. I'm like, that is not helping me. I am not younger. I mean, I guess technically the last time I came down the hill, I was younger than I am now, but philosophically speaking, but that's yeah. not, in fact, I'm not the same person that came down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> another three hours. <laughs> right. But that, the, the point is, is I think that productivity is a lifestyle. Mm. It's a way of operating. And if you look at it from that vantage point, then you can start to distill it down to practices that are more humanized, like more humane. Like again, productivity being about intention and that attention, we can grab onto that. But productivity isn't about like being efficient or effective. That's, those are byproducts of productivity, being productive. Those aren't the, I mean, categorically, the definition of that may appear to be like, it's doing things efficiently and effectively. But ultimately you can't do those things until you have the intention of actually making that happen in the first place. So I think it's a softer approach. We've seen David Allen change his tune about productivity through getting things done. His initial book had different jargon than the most recent edition of getting things done because his, his life has changed. He's semi-retired living in Amsterdam. When he originally wrote getting things done, he was an executive living in California, right? So they're different, right? So it's a different, thought process. It's a different pattern. Things evolve. Time moves on. We have to be able to craft it the way we would like to be able to craft it. And by the way, a craftsperson never stops. No actor goes, well, I'm done. I've, I've mastered my craft. No, they're always seeking. They're always trying to, to make, make different choices, do different roles, things like that. Same thing with a writer, same thing with a painter. That's what a craftsperson does. You need to be a craftsperson with your time. And whatever way you want to do that, just know that the, the, the idea is you only have a certain amount of time and you want to be able to command as much of it as you can. 
So if you can figure that out, and, and it's not something that's going to happen like that, then you can start to use tools to help you. Then you can start to use systems and frameworks that'll help you. And you can only take so much from guys like me, like guys like Danny, guys like Thomas, David Allen, Stephen Covey, the list goes on and on. Oh, You're going to need to take those elements and then go, what works for me and what doesn't? And when you, when you start to put those pieces together, then you're going to be able to really take things to the level that you really need and want them to be at. Yeah. And I think the, the taking the bits that you, you want slash need is important. I was, I was speaking with um, Layla Pompa, what was it last week, week before uh, on her stream about note taking. Uh, and we were, we were sort of, well, she, she struggles with the, the whole note taking thing. I was like, but why? And we were sort of went backwards and forwards and it went back to, to college note taking and flashcards. She didn't like flashcards. I don't like flashcards either. I hate, can't stand them. Like, there's the question there's the answer if you don't get the question i don't know what the answer is verbatim formal education i've, I've been in yep. it for too long i can't stand a lot of it <laughs> uh, and and when i see the the flashcard space repetition you need to use anki or quizlet or insert tool i'm like no no <laughs> no create a story do something about it that, that's what i do which is why i've got the space there because mind palace is a is one way of thinking about it. It's, mm -hmm. it's bringing relations, bringing different senses and things to whatever it is you're trying to learn. And there was a video, uh, a TED talk that I was watching about why languages are hard to learn. Mm -hmm. um, long story short, he learned a word because he had a really bad experience with that word. It was something on a, a Russian drink. It was in a bar and everyone was forcing. And it was the Russian word, like label of the drink. And he learned that word over the word he was meant to be learning in his lessons because he had this bad experience. He had all of this different stuff reminding him about this one word, the, the smell, the taste, everything. It was, it was a story. It was something he could attach to the word rather than it just being this arbitrary word that you needed to learn the meaning of. Intent. His exactly. Intention was to learn the word. He's going to pay attention to it. That's, that's really what all this is all about. Yeah. Right. We're, we're closing in on three hours. I think it's a, it's a marathon. <laughs> See, it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> you, you, you say marathon. I mean, I've been on Twitch streaming five hours a day. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, for me, this is a marathon. I mean, I've, I, I, I'm going to be doing a challenge next weekend. Um, if you go to productivityist.com slash forge your future, it's a free three day challenge. That's going to be a marathon three days of, of stuff that, you know, I'm going to dig into more of the tactical uh, with the stuff I talked about here today, um, as well as other things too. But I mean, that's going to be a marathon. I mean, I, I and and making that stop motion video with my son, that's a marathon. So I mean, but I think the best things that happen in the marathon is you discover what you're made of. You discover what, you know, and, and I think that, again, it's sustainable and consistent. And that's the, I mean, I, I, kudos to you, Danny, for doing these consistently and making it in a sustainable way that you can, you can, help people because that's really what you're doing is you're adding value to uh to a, a platform that that frankly not only needs it but thrives on value and uh so i, I applaud you for that because i've spent some time looking at your stuff and it's it's good stuff so keep it up thank you thank you i, I was going to ask have you got any um like last editions but you sort of put a bit in there is, is there anything else you want to add before we uh before we close it out no i just hope people got a lot of value out of this conversation i mean i, I like having conversations about this with uh you know where it becomes kind of like you know comedians and cars getting coffee or these you know rich roll i know when he has people on his podcast it becomes this very conversational and who one of the things that i've learned over the years is that when i do a talk or i do a workshop about productivity um the end game is 
you may not take everything out of it and go, that was amazing, but the thing there might be one thing you're like, oh, I'm gonna try that. And that's that's what I hope you take out of this. I mean, don't I mean obviously you're not gonna take everything that we talked about and go, yep, 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 yep. But you're gonna say, ooh, that one thing. I like the idea of you know waking up in the morning and asking what day it is and and giving that day an overarching theme. Or I like the idea of writing down a list where I've got modes and let me figure that out. Um hope or journaling. I'm going to take up journaling because Mike's right. I want to know that, you know, I want to see what my identity is like. I want to have that ability. I think that there's a lot of power in that. So um, I hope you took something away from this conversation. I had a great time. I mean, I've, I've not done a live stream this long with someone in the past, and uh, there's a first time for everything, and I had a great time. So thank you for having me. Oh, good. It's, it's been great having you on. And uh, I, I leave this open to everyone, but you're more than welcome to come back on. I do plan on doing a 12-hour stream at some point with multiple guests. So, uh, I mean, we, we were up a quarter of the way there. <laughs> count, count me in. Count me in. I'd, I'd happily come on. Uh, I've got a book that's uh, hopefully going to come out once uh, the COVID stuff kind of gets uh, sorted because I can't do any kind of book tours and stuff right now. But uh, that's the the game plan. So uh, yeah, I'd love to come back on and chat more about this stuff because as you can tell, I'm very passionate about it and I, I enjoy geeking out about this kind of stuff on, on the regular. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Um, and I have seen a couple of questions in chat about replays. Yes, it's just up on YouTube. It will stay up on YouTube until YouTube breaks, <laughs> <laughs> basically. Um, so yeah, thank you for coming on, Mike. Uh, and for everyone in chat, have a good morning, evening or afternoon, whatever time it is where you are. And I'll see you guys next week. So, bye, everyone.